Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Price increased 40%. Energy price increased over 20%. And gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. about 
ain't worried about what they say. Good evening, all. This is the whoa. We're this is the Frank Report. Okay, we have a a button pushed here that shouldn't be. Anyhow, this is the Frank Report. I'm your host Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is Wednesday, February seventeenth, two thousand sixteen. It's about seven minutes after eight p.m. And if that all works out where you're at, we're live. 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. That is the toll-free call-in number. If you want to get on the air, I make you so mad you just have to call in and say something. Or what I'm talking about makes you so mad because, hey, how could I make you mad? Anyway... That's your uh, chance right there. You can also, eh, if you don't want to be that outgoing, you can go to the chat room and vent with those people in there or just chat back and forth. You don't actually have to vent. I don't see anybody venting right now. But that could change any second. AmericanVoiceRadio.com or TheAmericanVoice.com. You'll see the Link over on the left-hand side says chat, click it, you're in there, easy, easy, easy. All right, let's see. Um, If you'd like to uh, contact me directly, Yahoo Instant Messenger, AVRN Talk is my screen name. It's Wednesday night, and we usually have Melissa on as co-host, when, of course, we aren't having technical difficulties with Melissa's setup. We'll see. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Hey, no problems. Yay. Yay. Well, as usual, I uh, will let you go first. You can go first. You mean you're not prepared? Yes, I am, but I'm having problems getting in my page to load that I wanted to go first. Okay. So I could do something else, I guess. But then we may Yeah, why don't you do it. that? Because I'm trying to. All right, handle then we may not here. get to it. But anyway, okay. Um, the University of Florida's stellar free speech rating from the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education may be at risk of slipping. A lecturer and dance movement therapist is threatening students with lower grades if they use gendered words such as mom and dad in assignments, or if they make classmates feel unsafe or unwelcome. The school is aware of complaints about such rules and syllabi, teaching that it's working with faculty to 
telling that it's working with faculty to make sure their classroom rules don't impede students' speech. Instructor Jennifer Lee wrote in her Creativity in Context syllabus that students must not use words including boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, mom, or dad because they are not inclusive enough. Speak in a way that does not make assumptions about others based on norms, stereotypes, or one's own identity or experience. Lee wrote in that section subtitled, Use Inclusive Language. Students should use terms such as partner or significant other or family, which are free of stereotypes and inclusive of alternative orientations and family structures. Under Safe Education Environment Policy, Lee wrote that in order to have open dialogue, students must watch what they say. Any behavior or language that makes others feel unsafe or unwelcome in this classroom can and will not be tolerated, the policy states. That includes overt harassment or intimidation with reference to race, gender, identity, sexual identity, religion, ethnicity, nationality, or ability. The most specific Lee gets on examples of unwelcome behavior is interrupting or ignoring others while they are talking. She doesn't define harassment or intimidation. So, uh, though her four-paragraph classroom communications policy and guidelines doesn't spell out consequences for running afoul of Lee's view of propriety, her conduct policy gives Lee the discretion to remove participation points from students' grades if they have, quote, continued behavior issues, end quote. Students get one email warning if Lee judges they, quote, do not meet conduct expectations, end quote. Class participation counts for 36% of a student's grade. Lee does not provide any ceiling for how many participation points students can lose for conduct issues, nor any estimate of how many points she'll ding students for a given violation. This is in contrast to her rules for missed class, five points off the participation grade for each absence and 2.5 points off for each tardy. Contemplating student complaints about her rules, Lee concludes, quote, this communications principle is not about political correctness. It is yeah. ethical conduct revealing basic human respect and kindness, end quote. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines politically correct, that term, as conforming to a belief that language and practices which could offend political sensibilities, as in matters of sex or race, should be eliminated. And she didn't respond to requests for comments um, in the Center for Arts and Medicine, which she teaches Who is this to again, anyway? What is her? Uh, oh, what she's is her some exact... like dance therapy teacher. Oh well, who the hell cares what she does then? Dance it's therapy. It's the University of Florida. You know what? If lecture... you're in a class called dance therapy, well, she's a lecturer in <laughs> dance movement slash therapist. Yeah, good. You know what? If you're an idiot kid in a class like that, then just keep your mouth shut, get your easy grade, and get out. You know, I mean, who cares well, what this I mean, liberal okay, arts maniac that has this to say? Lady you're right, you know, whatever, but obviously she's doing it, others are doing the same. So it's it's catching on at all over these campuses and stuff, you know. You can't say mom or dad anymore. You can't say, you know, whatever, because somebody might be transgender or 
a sodomite or feeling like a, a girl today or a boy today or whatever, you know. And it's just ridiculous. All this political you know, correctness. Who cares anyway? I mean, the thing is, people need to start recognizing that, listen, your college degree isn't going to get you a job. Your college degree is basically a four-year vacation that, uh, oh, all those college loans are going to come due. Do you know, I uh, gosh, I don't have it here in front of me, but uh, oh, it might have been even on Drudge that uh, they're going to start, uh, marshals are going to start arresting people for their student loans. Boy, more reason um, to I go saw to college, one huh? already that got arrested for that. He owed like I don't know fifteen hundred dollars from twenty something years ago, and they arrested him. They came and arrested him. Yeah. He yeah. was on television about it. Yeah, there's lots of uh, you know reasons not to go to college, folks. And and some of you eggheads out there making good money might disagree, but you know what? Guess what? Your gravy train's coming to an end, so I suggest you convert that cash into tangible items while you still are raking in the big money, because no matter how good you're doing right now, you're about to be outsourced, insourced, upsourced, and you're out of here, man. You're not going to be making that money anymore. And even if you are, maybe they'll get some of these college dweebs in there to work for half of what you're working for, and then they'll replace them with some Indian guy or some other nation, and they'll work for half of what the college kid will work for, and then you can both be unemployed. Now, what's your college degree worth now? You know, the only way to stop this, because oh, what's everybody going to do? Are we going to, like, let's, let's all wrap ourselves in the American flag and chant, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan made a con- uh, a a campaign promise to get rid of the Federal Department of Education. Guess what? He lied. Well, that was just one of his many hundreds of lies, but that was one of them. So what are we going to do? Wish away all the liberal colleges or, oh, we'll get rid of all them liberal professors and change them with conservative Christian-minded people. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. The only thing people can do is dry them up and stop sending your kids to them. Okay? Just stop sending your kids to them. Give them 20000 bucks and tell them, good luck, Junior. They'll do better in the long run if you do that. But if you just keep supporting these institutions, they're going to keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger, as they have. I mean, how many kids used to go to college when I was a kid in the 70s? In the 70s, it was like, hey, wow, you're going to go to college. That's, you know, that was something. You must be smart. Now, every dimwit in high school is signing up to go to college. Go to do, if you're too stupid to get into a real college, you go to community college. But college, got to have a college degree. Nobody bothers to stop and ask, well, why? Why do I have to have a college degree? Well, why is because you see these debts? They're floating the economy, folks. Debt is an asset. Every time your little darling goes to another semester and takes out some loans for it, those loans are debt. 
they're put in the asset pile of the whoever lent it to them. Then they're loaned out at nine times what the value is. Pretty nice racket, huh? I wonder why they convinced you to send Junior to school, huh? All the time. Well, now you can't, you know. Nobody even thinks about, well, maybe you ought to learn a trade, Johnny. You know, maybe you should be a mechanic or learn how to build something or, or, or something. Something useful. Some skill that somebody might want to pay you for. Including when it hits the fan. Well, yeah, and if you want to be a tinfoil hat-wearing, paranoid conspiracy theorist that thinks there's something wrong in America and bad things might happen, well, yeah, you could keep that in your mind, too, and figure, well, hmm, what skills could I not only make money at now, but when things do go pop, I'll have some skills that might help me survive because maybe somebody won't be able to give you a paycheck but they might be able to barter with you. Skills are barterable. Oh, man, I've got this vehicle here, but it won't run. I've even got gas because, uh, yeah, I'm one of those tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy nuts that actually stored away gas. I got my vehicle, but now it's broken. And oops, I don't know how to fix it. Because, you see, no matter how prepared you might think you are, not that many people have mechanical skills. Not that many people know how to fix a car or truck or whatever. You just, they just don't know because they never learned. And so now what? You got gas, you got all this stuff, your motor won't run. Uh-oh, here comes somebody going, do 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 Hey, I'm a mechanic. Got anything to trade? See, you might be able to survive that way. But, hey, that's just crazy talk. Nothing bad could ever happen. This is America. It can't happen here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's what they say. Well, that's what morons say. Because right. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean, if you know, I mean, it, honestly, it, it 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 it's shocking to me. Because yeah, I you really... know, I even read that Scalia said if if you don't think there's gonna be, you know, FEMA camps, basically. I don't know if he said the word concentration camps, but he just basically said, you're, you're crazy if you don't believe that. I'm paraphrasing, but I read that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, hey. Yeah. And that comes from, uh, you know, dead, probably assassinated Supreme Court justice saying well, that. So, hey, who's the crazy one here? Well, I mean, how... Maybe that's another reason they did it. How out of touch does somebody really have to be to look around America and, and and be honestly to say, well, there's nothing really all that wrong. Things are rolling along pretty good. Everything's kind of okay. Uh, who? What? I mean, <laughs> well, how out of touch? Well, you have to be, like, unconscious, right? I mean, to say that. Yeah. I mean, on he so said, many levels. Here's what he said right here. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia bluntly told law students at the University of Hawaii in early 2014 that internment camps will one day detain Americans. Quote, you are kidding yourself if you think the same thing will not happen again. End quote. End quote. Times of war, end quote, Scalia said, citing a Latin expression, quote, the laws fall silent. End quote. So he said... 
You're kidding yourself if you think the same thing will not happen again. In times of war, the laws fall silent. And he was talking about internment camps that would one day detain Americans. He said it in early 2014 at the University of Hawaii. So, right there. That's yeah. one more reason to off the guy right there. Because he spilled the beans. You well, know? it's getting to be like Kennedy, you know. I mean, how many hundreds of reasons? I know. You know, I mean, there's just... You know, it's almost like they, they get to a point where they go, okay, that's it. He just keeps talking. We have to we have to stop it. Yeah, him. and if he said that to them, what's he saying to other people, you know, like just off the record kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. it's mm-hmm. another reason right there. Well, they got quite a lot of reasons, actually, for offing him. And just then as they you did reported, Kennedy. where was that, Pakistan, where they're – Killing, they're murdering people by drones because oh, yeah. they're they're listening to their conversations or whatever on their cell phones, and it's a computer doing this. Or they're whatever. determining. They're determining who to send out killer drones after based on metadata collected from computers. cell phones from the Stingray devices and based on computers spying. Well, they put them in the they they put them in the computer, and the computer goes ding ding ding. Okay, this yeah. one kill this, this one. Keyword comes out or whatever that they're saying it's suspicious, and you could be a terrorist, and they're determining you're a terrorist based on, you know, profiling what you're saying or whatever these keywords. Yeah, so, per- and if they're doing it there, yeah, are you gonna tell me that they're okay, not what, either doing it here or going to do it? What these are here? called are computer models basically what they're using. Now, you use a computer model to try to predict things. And the thing about computer models is they're pretty good as long as the data's good and the parameters are good. Meaning, okay, first you have your data, which comes from your phone, the metadata, and that is whatever it is, right? Then you've got this model which says, okay, this, this, and this combined with that and that mean terrorists. All right, and so when this metadata comes into this computer, it shuffles everything around and goes, oh, ding, oh, oh, we got a hit. Okay, this, this, and this came up along with this and this. That equals terrorists send out the drone, right? So uh, who's programming that? What is the program? Oh, we can't tell you that's a, that's a secret, see? That's a secret because then the terrorists would know. But the thing is, we need to know because, hey, what if you're saying people who talk about the Bible, people who talk about Jesus, people who talk about guns, people who talk about freedom, liberty, the Constitution, what if those are words that send up some kind of flag? Because you could be having an absolutely innocent conversation because these algorithms do not take in context. I mean... Maybe someday in the future they will once they get artificial intelligence going real good. But uh, right now it's just math. You know, you tell the computer, okay, listen, one plus one is two. Well, every time one plus one comes, it equals two. That's it. Because you told it. But if you told the computer one plus one is five, then it would be five. It's whatever they tell it. You know, so it, it's not as innocent as, oh, well, this is foolproof, and it's innocent, and it's, hey, that's math, you know. It's the computer. No, it's the computer programmer. You know, <laughs> which, you know, I don't, it's, it's just, you know, it, 
for them to admit this, they should all go to jail. I mean, but then again, uh, you know, they shouldn't even have gotten this far. They should have already been in jail long ago. So, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Uh, not just jail. I mean, when you're sending drones out to murder people because they said a word that you don't like, <laughs> that's more than just putting them in jail. I think, you know, for the punishment for that. Do you want to hear how stupid Glenn Beck is? Um, sure. <laughs> Not like I didn't already know. Oh, I don't I think th- he's a psychopath. Myself. Yeah, I don't think you realized exactly how stupid he actually is. Yeah. You might have thought he was dumb, but <laughs> Glenn Beck says, God brought about Scalia's death so America would vote for Ted Cruz. I'm well, not, ma- I'm not making this up, okay? He's the one that uses Vicks VapoRub to fake crying, that guy. Yeah, he is just sick, that guy is. You know, it, 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 I'm not making that up. You you folks, you want to see this for real. This is this is actually a headline on Drudge, okay? He said this. I mean... And you saw that um, ad that, whatever it was, I guess it was an Obama slam. I think it was an ad for, you know, Ted Cruz and he and his gold wife, I'm sorry, gold... Sachs, you know, wife was sitting there. She works for them. And then the two kids, and they were going through these little books and reading stuff and just being very facetious, sarcastic, et cetera, you know, the whole family. It, it just, and he, he seems very slimy, that guy. Yeah, slimy's the word I, uh, <laughs> I use. Along with his bud, Glenn Beck, you know. Two peas well, in a Glenn pod. Beck is not slimy. He's he's pathetic. He is. Glenn pathetic. Beck has always come across as pathetic for me because it's like, okay, wait a minute. You're a grown man. You're on TV, and, and you're you're crying, and then he was, we, he and then was, we find out that you're faking it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I it's mean, on <laughs> video. You can go look. Type in you know Glenn Beck Vicks. No, oh, I've rub. seen it. But well, I mean, for the audience that's okay. listening that has not. I mean, it's crazy. And he was one of the ones, he was one of the worst ones uh, back in when they were, you know, torturing and, and they did murder Terry Schindler, Schiavo, they, they called her Terry Schiavo, but her maiden name was Schindler in Florida. And they murdered her by, well, I think they murdered her before. They claimed they murdered her by dehydration while starving her. But anyway, um, yeah, he was on the air back then just making fun of that woman like you would not believe. And he admitted to it all, but the tape, you know, there's there's no, nobody probably, I don't know, somebody might have it, but there's no proof of it. But he did admit to it. And on the family's website back then, you know, for Terry Schindler, their, the family's website, they said, oh, Glenn Beck had a change of heart, and they put a picture and a heart, and they put, like, you know, here's him talking about it. And I... I uh, downloaded that part, you know, and probably still have it on my hard drive from way back then. And he was talking about how he was ashamed, and it's probably like the worst things he's ever said. And he was saying, pull the plug, pull the plug, and, and just laughing and making fun of her and calling her a vegetable and everything in the book, and just, it was horrible. And then he said he didn't, somebody called in, he claimed, and told him that, do you realize she's not on any machines keeping her alive? She's just on a simple feeding tube, and they want to, you know, 
take away all of her food and water and her feeding tube, et cetera, which is illegal, by the way, to take away um, oral food. Yeah, I think it shows murdering people with drones yeah. based then on Then he claimed he had this big change of heart because he wanted everybody to, to think he was a good guy. You know what I mean? So I just don't have any sympathy for that guy. I can't stand him. And the family bought it. I don't buy it. Well, I don't ever watch him, and I, you know, I rarely did. And uh, Because I, who I just, cares if this person's on a machine or not on a machine for you to make fun of them and call them a vegetable and, and just well, this and is do a radio point. show this making is my fun point. of them. This is my point, though, you see. Right. When you realize somebody is like that, stop watching him. And his still Stop listening to, to his radio shows. He wanted to brainwash the the people that listen to just do the same thing he was doing on the air. You know, know? boycott. Yeah. It, it works, folks. I mean, it doesn't work if you do it by yourself, but, I mean, it works if everybody does it, or it works even if... <laughs> do you realize how bad the economy is doing? How much trouble retailers are in? They can't afford 10% of the people that actually buy things from them to just say, you know what, screw you, I'm going to your competitor. They can't afford that at this point. Crap, McDonald's is about to go bankrupt. Walmart's closing stores all around the world. Are you kidding me? Things are not going good for retailers. They can't afford any boycotts. Why do you think, I say this all the time, that look, uh, hey, you know, the blacks, the homos, the homos are like 3%, the blacks are like 12% of the total population. So why do these companies care? Oh, we're going to boycott you. Well, <laughs> you know, when you can't even afford to tell 3% of the population, fine, don't buy here. You're, you're, you're on thin ice, okay? You are on thin ice. And folks, there's a lot more white people in this country then, okay, all the minorities together almost equal the white people in America. Never used to be like that. It used to be you add up all the minorities and there were still, you know, 70% white, but uh, we've lost 20% over the years. But it's still, you know, people say that all the time. Well, we're going to be a minority in our own country. Well, yeah, if you add all the other minorities together, yeah, we will be soon. And that's the thing. This is why they group together. This is why the, you know, the black uh, uh, leaders like Jesse Jackson and these you know, race baiters are telling their black community that they need to support the illegal aliens because they're all in this together. And most people in the black community, and, and this goes for the white community too, are too stupid to realize no, we're not in this together. As a matter of fact, it's our jobs that are going first. And I mean the black community. The Mexicans are taking your jobs first, at least the unskilled ones. And then, you know, you high-tech folks, hey, the Indians are coming to take yours, and they're doing it legally because the government is issuing all these H-1B visas. It's, uh, you know, but the power still resides with us. You know, you, you get pissed off. This is Look, start a group. Start a website. Start a blog. Make some noise. 
get out there and have an issue and say, look, you know what this company did? You know what they're doing? You know what they support? Call for a boycott. That's all. You know, hey, and you know what? Even if you and only, you know, a thousand other people around the country do it, it'll make you feel better because you're not, you know you're not supporting them. I'll tell you, it kills me to buy some things from certain companies, but, you know, from time to time, I realize you have to, and I'm not calling, you know, oh, boy, you know, it's got to be a 100%, you know, boycott. It doesn't have to be a 100% boycott. Shoot, you know what? If we could get a lot of people to do a boycott, it wouldn't even have to, it could be a minor boycott. Well, I'm just not going to shop there on uh, Tuesdays. And that would hurt them. This is how fragile things are. They can't afford people. They need every customer they can possibly get at this point. Or they're going to go bankrupt. And that's it. That's all the retailers. It happened to the mom and pops first. Now it's happening to the corporations. See, they thought this was a sweet deal. But they're a bunch of short-sighted little greedy bastards that looked at, ooh, look at how much we can make. We can become billionaires. Ooh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, 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 wait a minute. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on is you've got your little retail store here now, but nobody in town can afford to buy anything because there aren't any jobs because you outsourced everything so you could sell anything cheap and make billions of dollars because you weren't selling it cheap. You were buying it cheap and making huge profits. That's how these billionaires went from millionaires to billionaires. They shipped all the jobs over to China and Mexico and India. And they kept charging the same prices for the stuff over here. Do you know what that does to your profit margin? This is why the stock market went up. This is why they got to be billionaires. This is how all this happened. But now, there's nobody left to buy their crap. They got a problem. Oh, whoa, we didn't think about that, that, gee, if we put everybody out of work and gave their jobs all away, there'd be nobody with any money to buy any of our garbage. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Are you going to go bankrupt? That's what's going to end up happening. Whether we boycott or not, it's going to eventually happen. I would just like to see, I'd like to see a boycott. I'd like to see them running scared and, and, you know, complaining about other oh, people are so unfair because you know what you not only can hurt them you can make a political statement by hurting these corporations bottom line we don't like homos we don't want to support homos and if you do then let the homos buy all your products and we'll go buy elsewhere well i guarantee you there ain't a corporation in this country that can su- support itself and pay dividends and stay in business with just the homo community buying from them. It ain't going to happen. 3% ain't enough. So, because that whole 3% isn't going to buy from them either. You know, I mean, it's just the way it is. We don't like illegal aliens. Oh, you do? Good. We'll go shop somewhere else. I, I actually like the store Home Depot. I mean, I, I like the store. I go in there. I like the store. I like how they got it laid out. I like their selection. Um, their prices are competitive. I like the store, but I rarely shop there. Unless I can get, like, well, I bought a ladder there that I saved, like, uh, 
oh, I don't know, I saved like $40 on the same ladder because it was on sale at Home Depot from Lowe's. So I bought it there. But I rarely buy things at Home Depot because of their policies. So, you know, that's what I mean. You know, you don't have to make it a hard in cement rule that I never, ever walk into that store. Just don't usually spend most of your money elsewhere. We got to take a break. Is that okay with you? Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. have denied internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149. $99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. I was toting my pack along the dusty Winnemucca Road When along came a semi with a high-end canvas-covered load If you're going to Winnemucca Mac with me, you can ride And so I climbed into the cab and then I settled down inside He asked me if I'd seen a road with so much dust and sand And I said, listen I've traveled every road in this here land. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. 
I've been to Reno, Chicago, Fargo, Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota, Wichita, Tulsa, Ottawa, Oklahoma, Tampa, Panama, Madawa, La Paloma, Bangor, Baltimore, Salvador, Amarillo, Tocopilla, Barranquilla, and Padilla. I'm a killer. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Boston, Charleston, Dayton, Louisiana, Washington, Houston, Kingston, Texas, County, Monterey, Faraday, Santa Fe, Tallapoosa, Glen Rock, Black Rock, Little Rock, Oskaloosa, Tennessee, Tennessee, Chicopee, Spirit Lake, Grand Lake, Devil's Lake, Crater Lake, the Beach Lake. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled and had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Louisville, Nashville, Knoxville, Lompobaca, Shepherdville, Jacksonville, Waterville, Coastal Rocket, Pittsfield, Springfield, Bakersfield, Shreveport, Hackensack, Cadillac, Fond du Lac, Davenport, Idaho, Jellico, Argentina, Diamantina, Pasadena, Catalina, Sea, Guatemala. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been to Pittsburgh, Parkersburg, Gravelburg, Colorado, Ellensburg, Rexburg, Vicksburg, Eldorado, Laramore, Atmore, Havistock, Chattanooga, Chaska, Nebraska, Alaska, Opelika, Baraboo, Waterloo, Kalamazoo, Kansas City, Sioux City, Cedar City, Dodge City, what a pity. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I've traveled, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. I've been This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It's still Wednesday, February 17, 2016. It's about 849 out here, 800-932-1980. You can also participate on the website at our chat room located theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Click it. You can contact me directly on Yahoo Instant Messenger. AVRN Talk is the screen name. We got Melissa Roxanne on. Welcome back, Melissa. Thank you. All right. How many of those? Uh, how many of those names of places in there did you uh, count? You've been. Um, or I were didn't you? count, but I know. I know the song, but I don't. Every time I, I hear, every time I hear that song, I I try to I try to keep count. Yeah, and, well, uh, you're the big hit track. Well, I try to keep I, I try to keep count. And I gotta tell you, I always lose count after about fifteen places because then I just they they go so fast. I think know, he I, says Albuquerque. I've been there. Yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. You got a <laughs> a nice spicy meal there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a caller. Go ahead, caller. Hey, Frank. It's Nanya. How you doing? Like as in none your business? Yeah, as in none your business. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah, you doing? Yeah. That was uh, doing all right. That was interesting what you were talking about tonight uh, with the metadata thing and the, and the 
kind of thought about this deal with these uh, people over in California where you know they're making a federal case out of getting their getting their phone unlocked. Um, these phones, cell phones, work a lot like the old landlines used to. Um, any anytime you call somewhere on a cell phone, mm-hmm. um, the provider, the carrier has the, uh, the call detail record on that, which is like who you call them, how long you talk. Sure. Whenever you call them. So they don't need the phone unlocked for that, number one. Number two, if they really want that phone unlocked, then instead of trying to get them to give the FBI some kind of magical access they could then use on everybody's phone, simply get a get a search warrant for the phone, send it to Apple, tell them to unlock it, done. You know, well, here's either, the thing. You know, here's the problem with what's going on with Apple. Apple is saying, yeah, we could do that. They said, although, you know, the software to do that does not exist. We would have to make it. And while they say that this is only for this particular phone, once we do this, because you think that they're going to, what are they going to do? Like, once somebody does this, then somebody knows how to do this. And then the software does exist. And if it does exist, you know those FBI scumbags will steal it, and they will use it. Well, that would be the thing. Of course, they're not smart enough to come up. They're not smart enough to come up with it themselves. Yeah, you know, I I've always heard too that they've got all the keys to, to all the all the SSL, you know, secure codes anyway. I mean, uh, them being the government. So, well, apparently, I Apple know. with their new encryption here has done something different with their encryption that it's not they're they're having trouble. Oh, good. Now, if they have the keys, you know, if they get the keys, it's, you know, it's over. It's it's like the, okay, it's like the, uh, well, like the Nazis. Okay, the Nazis came up with the Enigma machine that was uh, really high-tech for the the time. It was a code-making machine. But, like any machine, you know, it has to have keys. You know, it does this this way all the time, and those are the keys. And, the, of course, the keys get changed now and again, but, of course, you know, the Allies had stolen the keys. And they just didn't let anybody know. Now, I don't know if you're saying this, but I think it's something to think about, that this could just be a show by the FBI going, hey, we want that. And Apple's going, no, you can't have that. And all the time, I've been thinking that the whole time. The FBI's already got the keys. They're just when trying to make. I read the article when I heard you read it. They're just trying to make it like they don't have the keys. Yeah, and, and like you know, good wait, cop, bad cop. Well, no, it's 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 okay. I've told you, patriots, about starting groups. It's disinformation. Okay, but, they know you're listening. They know we're watching. They want us. Oh, hey, look, you know, uh, we want that. No, maybe, you can't have it. Maybe it's just sell a lot more Apple, you know, phones and stuff. Well, that's on Apple's side. I mean, you know, but the thing is, to think that, oh, wow, what an idea. That guy must be really smart on the radio coming up with that. Well, that'd be nice, but I didn't come up with it, okay? The government did this with the Japanese code. They did it with the, the German code. They always do it. Right. You know, so I didn't think of it. I didn't, I didn't think of it. I just remembered it. That's all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think, well, and that's, I mean, I guess that's the case could be that you could say, well, yeah, Apple could, if they, can, if they could just unlock that phone and then give it back to the FBI, then 
it's it's a done deal, and they, they should be able to do that with with a search warrant, right? Because there's a crime committed. And, well, and uh, now look, you see, a search warrant is like, okay, listen, I've been in court and I've sat in front of a federal judge during a discovery hearing, and one of the in in federal court, one of the standard this is on this counts for everybody no matter what case you got one thing they will ask is the last 10 years of your tax returns okay right. just because they want it and uh they'll ask for it well, well that's interesting because i only keep, i think i only got seven i denied everything <laughs> I, right? that was the limit. I denied okay. everything and told them well hey i'm not cooperating with you and he says you have to i said i'm not he goes well we're gonna have we'll have a hearing then and the the judge will make you. I said, well, then go ahead and do that. So they did, and sure enough, the judge did everything I, I denied. He says, now you got to give that to him. Now you got to give that to him. Till we got to the tax returns. And I said, listen, judge, I don't work for the IRS. The IRS doesn't pay me to keep records, and therefore I don't have any records. And he looked right. at me and said, well, you can't, you can't provide what you don't have. Next. And we went on to the next thing, which he said, you got to give them that, you got to give them that, you got to give them that, everything else, right? But not that. So now what Apple is telling them is that, listen, this, this doesn't exist, okay? We encrypted these phones, and we never made the unencryption, the decryption thing. We just didn't make it. So now we're in a little different situation. So you've got a search warrant. You tell... Apple, we want you to open this. And they say, we can't. We don't know how. We don't have it. Well, make it. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. You're telling me to manufacture something? I don't think they have the authority to do that. No, I don't either. No, I I don't know. You know, I've I've got kind of a love-hate relationship with Apple, and I don't really care for Tim Cook, but uh, I do respect them, you know, standing the ground on that. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out but uh but yeah i see what you're saying i mean they're basically forcing them to to create something that doesn't exist so that they can you know right and i don't don't think they have the authority to do that and that's going to be a sell that's going to be a hard sell because there's going to be a lot of people that go wait a minute wait a minute it's one thing to say look we've got a warrant now provide the stuff you've already you've got right but we don't got it well, then make it. Type in your master password, right? <laughs> nine 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 nine. Or what do you mean, make it? <laughs> what, you're yeah. ordering me to work for you? Right. Yeah, I don't think they can yeah. do that. And I no, think I Apple think, Apple no. might have known this. And and that's assuming that this is all real and not just for our benefit to try to they trick the bad it. terrorists into going, woohoo, we can use our Apple phone to do crime now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then everybody goes. And they don't the, have yeah. back doors into our laptops, our computers, or our cell phones, smartphones, et cetera. There's no back doors, Frank. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Apple right. is just trying to do the right thing. Sure. Well, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, that's that's interesting because, yeah, well, and the other thing too is that, from what I understand, you know, all the phone calls, including this one we're on right now, uh, are, are being intercepted by the NSA. So I'm sure they probably have. If that's the truth, then they probably have any calls those people make. Oh, absolutely. And Echelon listens to us all. Hello. Well, uh-huh. listen, and, and yeah. people, look, if, if you, you know, I'm not promoting mm-hmm. criminal activity. However, either. however, if you're con- however, if you're considering criminal activity, 
it's probably best not to do it over your computer of any kind, whether it's wireless or at your computer, you know, in your living room or wherever. And another thing to keep in mind, you might think, well, I'm a criminal and I'm smart and I only meet people face to face and we talk out in the open uh, in public areas or something. Oh, really? Well, that's a good idea, too, except. Be aware of your surroundings. And don't, tell the lights. Don't be, don't be standing in the, under any funny-looking streetlights because they're watching and they're listening. And they can turn on they can turn on your phone. There is software out there that people, have, like stalkers, have used to turn on like their ex-girlfriend or wife's phone, like ex-wife's phone or stuff like that, and sit there and watch them you know, through the screen and the whole nine yards, listen to their conversation. So if they can do it, you know the government can do all of this and much more. So, Melissa, do you have well, enough yeah. information there to do another hour? Sure. Heck yeah, I do. Oh, heck yeah, huh? I've got many hours. <laughs> Well, if you want to stay, if you want to stay on the line, Nunya, we'll be back in a few minutes. We'll do a second hour, but right now we're at the top of the hour and we got to go. So I'm going to play the music and uh, we'll see you all in a few minutes. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold 
gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
right, we are back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Wednesday, February 17, 2016, and it is now about seven minutes after 9 p.m. 9 p.m. on a Wednesday? What's that? Well, that's the second hour. Doesn't happen that often anymore, and it always happens on Monday, but it's happening right now. Anyway, 800-932-1980, that's how you can call in, okay, and that's, uh, you know, we have a caller on the line right now waiting, but before we get back to the caller, we will bring up Melissa Roxanne, who is the regular co-host on Wednesdays, I would say normal, but that's not exactly accurate. That's not really accurate, so we'll just stick with regular. Coming from you especially. We'll just stick with regular, and... uh, (laughs) Anything but. What, you're irregular? <laughs> Are you irregular? Is that it? You want to share something with I'm with not the ordinary. I'm just I joking. said regular. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm regular. Yeah, okay, good. Take Doxidin and appear. That's more than we need to know. Let's That's bring on our That's caller. Welcome back, caller. Hey, thanks, Frank. Hey, Are, you, uh, are you regular? Hey. Pretty. Well, that's good to know. Pretty regular. Good to know. I'm always concerned about our listeners. Yeah, so no pharmaceutical uh, aids required. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that, that'd be real good for people, you see, because the side effects are only that you go blind and your hair falls out yeah. and you die, you know. But, uh, hey, and I don't do heart attack. At least you're regular. Over the counter but, hey, at least you're regular. <laughs> Mental illness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. I used to have to yeah, give so, a lady Metamucil in prune juice. That was fun. Wow. And then clean up afterwards. But hey. Clean up her afterwards? Because, well, man, Metamucil in prune juice could, could create mess. a mess. Anyway, it's not really a joking matter, but I felt sorry for the lady having to do that. So her you daughter-in-law was a you, nurse, and her daughter-in-law made her take that, like, every single night. You don't find explosive diarrhea humorous? Yeah, and she, the lady also would, like, steal cigarettes and light them, and it was bad. Leave the stove on and burn cigarette holes, things everywhere. So Nunya called in about the, uh, about the, uh, what do you call it, the the Apple thing in Mm -hmm. California. Now, you see, I read that, too, and I read it from the tech end of it and going, okay, I get this. But then I started thinking about it, and I didn't have a chance to look any further, but I thought they pretty much figured out who did it. Didn't they? They're just using this as an excuse. I mean, don't they have these people in custody? Aren't they? Don't they already figure out who did this? Of course. They're trying to act like they're trying to find other parties that were in it with them. You know, other terrorists. Huh. Yeah, they did so good at finding them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, they weren't immune from all the spying that's going on, too. I mean, you know, there's no one, right, including Angela Merkel. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Now, uh, Matt just sent me an article here that I, I, you know, I'm obviously not going to be able to read the whole thing, but it is uh, addressing the, and and you see, this is the kind of thing, these are the kind of headlines that get people reacting 
wrongly. Don't look now, but the LED light fixtures are spying on you. Well, people are going to think, oh my gosh, those LED bulbs that I buy, oh, they're, they're, they're spying on me. That's not what they're talking about if you read the uh, uh, article. What they are talking about is what Melissa mentioned, and that's what they're called. What are they called? Intellilites? Intellilites, yes. Well, they are LED, and, uh, you know, part of the reason why they're LED is because they have microphones and cameras in there that also use electricity. So they're using very little electricity, plus the LED lighting, I think, is better for their uh, resolution. But And if they're admitting to this, which they are in news articles, which we covered, you know, over the years, years ago, um, what are they not admitting to that they're spying on us in so many ways that we aren't aware of, you know? I mean, it could to be all kinds of things. Well, what do you folks think about the idea that I, I kind of floated the, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but now the courts have ruled over and over again that us people have no expectation. It used to be, in the old days, we had a <laughs> diminished expectation of privacy when we are out in public. Now we have no expectation of privacy, and they say so. When we're in public, we have no expectation of privacy. Well, all right. Now we can work to change that. We can complain. We can protest. We, can, You know, whatever. We can do that. And on top of that, because I'm not going to say don't do that because we should, but what else we can do is we can say, oh, okay, when we're out in public, we have no expectation of privacy. Well, I guess we'll just have to take that. However, all you public servants, from now on, you don't get any expectation of privacy ever until you're done with being a public servant. That means in your house, in your office, in your car, we want cameras and microphones. We want to know what you're doing all the time. Because why should you have any expectation of privacy being a public servant when the courts are ruling that we don't have any, the people have no expectation of privacy from the government in any public space? Doesn't this make sense? Isn't this just fair? Isn't this an even playing field? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and nobody's 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 forcing anybody to become a public servant, right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you heard a while back there was a guy up in Illinois that uh, the cops were hassling him. I guess he <clears throat> redid old cars, you know, so he had a lot of cars at his house, and um, they they didn't like it, so they kept kept coming by, and he filmed them, and they charged him with wiretapping. And we tried to put him, lock him up for 75 years. Wow. And it actually made some traction in, in the courts. I'm not sure how it stands now, where it went, but, you know, amazing. Well, they're going to they're gonna lock up some old grandma in Chicago because she kicked the cop while they were arresting her. Going to put her in jail for like six years or something. You know, they should just hire Rupert Murdoch's people because they got busted for that whole phone hacking scandal, remember? Mm -hmm. um, the whole news of the world and other British 
newspapers. It was a big controversy, and they were even hacking into a murder victim's phone and another murder victim's, their family's phones. So to me, that almost seems like they were trying to find out if the family knew, you know, who did it or like they were, I don't know, they were trying to cover up stuff and maybe who knows what they were going to do to them, but they hacked into their phones and, you know, they were hacking into even the royal family phones, their phones. So, you know, and, and the government acts like they can't hack into somebody's phone without Apple making some software. (laughs) Give me a break. Well, I I think it is just a uh, uh, disinformation to try to trick the criminal-minded out there to think, oh, boy, now we can use Apple phones to commit crimes and nobody can uh, encrypt our data. And all those celebrities, you know, where they hack into their phones supposedly and, and put all these pictures or videos out of them, you know, where they're naked or whatever, you know, that's all just, I mean, I think it can be done, but I don't believe it when they say that's how the pictures got out and stuff, you know. So it's just all well, a bunch of lies. I think what happens, too, there are sometimes, at least for the iPhones, the Apple products, they've got the iCloud. Mm-hmm. And if you if you don't watch what you're doing when you set the phone up, um, you can actually set it up to be backed up to the iCloud. <clears throat> and even in the case of these terrorists over in California, if they had done that, and I'm telling you, I mean, I'm, I'm an IT guy, right? Yeah. I work in information technology, and I went out one day and I said, you know, all five gig of your iCloud stuff is used for backups. You've already used it. I'm like, what? And so, <laughs> so I went out and deleted it. So, you know, but that's the other thing, too, is that the Apple can easily reset a password on iCloud. So if any other, if they had anything in the, on the iCloud, if they had iPhone, I guess they had iPhones. So um, if they weren't careful, that that stuff would be backed up there. I mean, it would be music and pictures and that kind of thing, contacts, you know. Yeah, and if you're but, on uh, Facebook, they they always, if you, like, put your little cursor over somebody's picture, it, puts, it shows the name of the person, like if they're on Facebook or anybody has told. And if they don't know who it is, they're like, who is this person? Tell us who this is, you know. And they have all this facial recognition software they use. So the... Oh, yeah. The least amount of pictures and things that you can put online, the better. But Walmart, they even have facial recognition cameras. When you go in the door to any Walmart, they're they're getting you right there. I'm sure they, lots of corporations use it. But so yeah, we're yeah, being tracked and traced and spied on always. Well, Apple's software they have. They had iPhoto, <clears throat> and now it's called Photo, and. Uh, it does that. It'll do facial recognition. You can go in and, like, one of my kids or whatever, I could say, you know, this is, you know, my son's name or this is my daughter's name, and then it'll actually start recognizing them on pictures right on your yeah. computer there, right? Right. Yeah. And, and it can even computer, give away your address if, if you're not careful. It can give away your address where the picture was taken. Say you're at your home or something, oh, yeah. your, your child is at your home, and you take a picture and you post it. People can see where that child lives, like yeah. a pedophile or somebody. Now, do you know or where you do, were? Right? Do, yeah. do you know much about facial net recognition? Well, I, I mean, from a technical I, point of view, I mean. Well, it, you know, it, 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 it can it, it, it uses um, analytics to 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 identify um, characteristics on your face, and then when it looks at the next picture, it tries to apply that. 
Well, yes, and they can. they it use points. The perspective right. And they right. use points on your, you know, right. I don't know how many, I guess the more they use, the more accurate it will be. But uh, my, my question is, what if you were to just, like, take some black shoe polish and Put a few dots on your face, and uh, we saw that on a, a sci-fi show. That's why I'm at. That's why I'm asking because I saw that on a sci-fi yeah. show that they did that to confuse the facial recognition to just put just like little black marks, like little tattoos on your face. Except it's not tattoos; it's just like black paint or something. Like a football player would put under his eyes to just disrupt those points. <clears throat> because yeah, the, obviously. Hey, it's if, something to try. Obviously, if that's all I do, and there's actually somebody with a picture of me looking for me, that's not going to fool them. But if it's a computer using points on your face, and too many of those points have a black, you know, a black mark on them, it may confuse that computer. Computers, people think computers are the smartest things going, and they're not. They do what they're told. They're nothing but tools. They're great. I love computers myself, but, I, you know, they're not the says-all and does-all of everything. Yeah, they're only as smart as the application they're running. So if you knew if you knew the, the trigger spots for those those points that they key on and did something to obscure that, I, I'm sure that would, that would uh, disable it. Well, there you go, folks. <laughs> so, you know, this is your assignment for next week is to determine where those trigger points are and get back to us. I'm, sh- you I'm get- sure it's like things like cheekbones, hairline, chin, you know, some of the more prominent features on the face, I would imagine. Well, sure, you know, you know I, I've, got a, I've got a couple of webcams here, and they're uh, by a popular company, Logitech, right? Which com- which comes with software, and it's got facial recognition software right in it that says, "Hey, hey, guess what? You know, you hook up your webcam, and uh, you know, instead of using a password for your computer and all your things that whatever you got a password for, right? Hey, just look into the camera, and uh, we'll open it up for you." Yeah, and that's kind of scary because. <laughs> When they use those thumbprint readers to, you know, get into a laptop or something like that, instead of a password, somebody could cut your thumb off and use that if you think about it. Well, that's well, true. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that's part of it. And then the other thing is, you know, you're 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 putting that in there. <clears throat> like I, I, these iPhones have this thing called Siri, which is like a voice recognition thing, and uh, you know, you can say things to it. I've never turned it on. I've had several phones that use it, and it's the same thing with fingerprints. It's like, okay, you're assuming that it's just there on your computer, but where else is it being set? Where else is your fingerprint going? Where yeah. else is your voice pattern going? You know? So that's it's going the to the NSA and the FBI, the CIA, well, exactly. et cetera. Could be, yeah. Well, where, where it's actually going, it's going into storage. Yep. And they, I believe, I really believe that FedBook and Twitter and everything you do everywhere is all being collected. It is. And everybody argues that, well, ah, good, let them collect it all because it's so much data that there's no way they can use it. There's no way they could go through it all and blah, blah, blah. And that's all. That's true in one sense. But in another sense, think of the advances in computing speed and just muscle. 
and all this data keeps coming in. Nobody's sitting there looking at it because they couldn't. They couldn't. They could not figure it out. But it goes into a computer, oh. and what they do is they build a profile on you. Right. And what this becomes, and you can see it. I mean, I'm not making this up because they're already doing it in your uh, the ads you see. Google's doing it with Google Ad. I mean, yep. they they track what kind of things you look at, so they can show you what the computer says you're going to be interested in based yeah. on your profile. In Minority Report, they showed us what they're going to do with holograms in the future with ads that will be talking to you. And we saw that recently in a sci-fi show again where they were recommending a certain type of marijuana for somebody. <laughs> so I could see them pushing you know, marijuana in the future that way even. I, it doesn't surprise me that they'll do that at all. Well, and yeah, pharmaceutical drugs. Whatever. I've, I've gone to work. I've gone to work before, and I'm, you know, I was like checking out some some guns at home or whatever. And I go to work, and you know, and this this, this crap is popping up on my on my work computer. And uh, yeah, it'd be cool to you know like have uh, have your boss looking over your shoulder there one day while you're trying to show him something, and and then all these pot plants or guns <laughs> popping up on your web browser. Really yeah, good. and yeah, I've had that good. happen, too, when you're on one computer and then you go to a totally different computer in a whole other building or something, like you're saying, and the ads will pop up for what you're looking at just a few minutes ago on the other computer in the other building. So, yeah, right. definitely happens. And well, you have to opt out of all this stuff. I think stuff. they're doing it on, uh, based on IP when that happens. Yeah. You know, but, I mean... You know, well, or in my case, when I go to work, my my IP address is completely different. And I, well, you know, how, do you figure, how do you figure? How do you figure? How do you figure they know then? Because he's entered yeah, his name can't. into both computers and information that's the same, and they're tracking him with cookies and stuff well, like that. Yeah, it puts a, it, it's putting a cookie in there somehow, and then if you're signed in, which you know from work, I can't get to any of the webmail applications, but I can get to Amazon. So you know. <laughs> oh, yay. Hey, yeah. you can't get your email, but you can buy things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, great. <laughs> you know, but, you know, now the thing is... And if they're using drones to deliver stuff with Amazon, hey, they can use drones to spy on us or, you know... I truly believe drop a bomb on us. that any technology that they come up with has a fairly... The higher the technology, the lower tech way to defeat it. And that's not always true, but low-tech is not something that just, you know, hold your nose up to and go, oh, no, 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 we got to be more advanced than them. Not always. Not always, because you know what? Hey, you got your cell phone there, your smartphone, the thing's tracking you, and uh, hey, I know one way to take care of it is with a hammer. That's pretty low-tech, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not, I guarantee you, you take it the hammer and smash your smash your mobile phone up into little pieces. They're not tracking you anymore with it. I think they've used laser lights, like those little pen laser lights, you know, to, I don't know, point them at helicopter pilots and stuff and, you know, mess with them. Well, I've seen reports of yeah, that online. I, apparently, the Pope just got lasered, uh, laser tagged like that, and he's not too all happy about it because that means if they can put a laser on you, they can put a bullet in you. Um, and you so know, like he got a laser right between his eyes or something. Somebody got a picture of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about it though is uh, those lasers are 
also used, we've all heard of smart bombs. Well, yep. they're not smart all by themselves, okay? Dumb right. bombs, you just drop them out of a hole in the plane and they fall down, right? I mean, you can aim them, you know, to a certain extent. The uh, right. matter of fact, that... that that trajectory and logistics, right? And that that kind of sighting, thing. that sight thing—I forget what they called it now—but in World War II, it was a it was a high tech thing that only we had for a while, and it was very accurate for laying down bombs. And it wasn't really high tech; it just took into account, well, okay, how fast are we going? You know, how fast the wind blowing, and and it just aimed out ahead enough to where, okay, boom, and it was. They work real well, but the smart bombs actually have fins on them, like a regular bomb, but these fins move, okay? And they can direct that bomb to, you know, a certain degree anyway. But that bomb doesn't know where to go unless somebody paints the target. And what they paint the target with is a laser. Right. And this thing is looking for that little red dot or whatever color they're using, and and it just the fins just make it go that way, and here it comes. You know, it's a you know, but hey, you lay down some smoke. What's that going to do? Now, if it's a thermal, yeah. if it's thermal imaging they're using, you know, smoke isn't going to work, but it will work for lasers. You know, so smoke smoke is pretty low tech too. You know, there's a lot of low-tech defenses to some very high-tech things. <laughs> and, you know, people, right. you know, right. we we can't, and this is one thing that, you know, we're kind of talking about in the chat room earlier was how the uh, powers that be like to keep everybody off guard, terrorized, right. and all that. Well, that's part of it, to dazzle you with BS about all this, uh, oh, how so high-tech, nanotechnology, we got drones, we got lasers, we got... Oh, man, and you look around and you go, oh, man, I got I got, I got this little AK-47, I got nothing, man, how am I going to ever... Huh. Well, you know, instead of getting scared, get smart. Think, use your yeah. head. How does the... You see, this is why I always tell people, look, if you know how something works... There's two things. You can fix it, or you can break it. But if you don't know how it works, you can't really do either. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, okay. I, you know, but then again, hey, cell phone's easy, but I go up to a big machine with a hammer, and if I don't know where to hit it with that hammer, I probably won't break it. But if I know how it works, I'll know where to hit it. And then it won't work anymore, and that's the thing. But to figure out, and, and you don't even have to figure out. I mean, how things work is real easy. I mean, they tell you. You can find out. The Internet's great for that. I mean, like, okay, like drones. Wow, drones are scary, man. They they got missiles, and they are scary. But I'm a lot less scared of a drone than I am, you know, say, like a Apache helicopter with a guy in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because uh, he's going to be a lot harder to get rid of. Right. And he can accommodate for things like your, like you say, smoke or whatever. Right. But, you know, he can he can compensate for that. But yeah. if if you've got a drone and you uh, somehow disrupt the signal between whoever's communicating with that drone, 
you know, unless the thing falls out of the sky right on top of you, you know, you're pretty much in good shape. <laughs> yep. Better shape, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I know they sell, uh, they sell jamming devices that <clears throat> for uh, Wi-Fi and, and mobile phone and infrared and stuff. They're really expensive, but they do sell them. And I don't know if they sell them just to the, you know, John Q. Public or not, but Somebody had set a uh, web site at one point in time where I looked at them and, like, one thing. Because, you know, it's like, I don't know, people talk about Wi-Fi and being, you know, scared about it or whatever. And, geez, I think that if I, if I look at just where I live here, I'd probably find, like, 12, 12 Wi-Fi routers where I got a signal that if I needed a password, I could get on there. So even if I didn't have Wi-Fi at all in my house, it's still here, you know what I mean, and, and where I live. That's and, true. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, man, I should do one of those cameras. <laughs> Shut everybody down. You know, go in my little Faraday cage uh, room and uh, <laughs> do my thing. Uh, I yeah, well, they do have those uh, jammers, and some of them aren't that expensive, and some of them, if if you want any range out of them, those ones are pretty expensive. More, yeah, yeah, the more range you want, the yeah. Then, then I'm thinking, okay, so what are they? You know, what am I going to be broadcasting? <clears throat> to neutralize those other things, and is that just as bad, you know? <laughs> However, if you know anything about electronics, you could get one of those small ones, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, all you'd have to do is amplify the signal. You amplify the signal, yeah. and if you wanted something, you know, for drones or something, amplify it and be able to di- get a directional antenna. You know, an amplified directional antenna, and bing, bang, boom, down comes the drone. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, what, they, what are they going to say? You know, what are they going to say? Oh, well, that's, you know, you can't do that. Well, then, look, <laughs> stop sending drones around me, and they'll stop falling to the ground. You know, stay away from me. People... Speaking of drones, did you hear, did you hear that um, the, 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 the FAA has got the same rule that if you have a drone that weighs more than five pounds, you got to register it? Yep, she then, People did register it, and they went out there and looked, and their all their personal information is available. If you get the if you get the uh, information off the drone, they can find out your name, address, phone number, everything. I mean, anybody. What yeah. do you mean? Like if they capture your drone or something? No. Or if they see it or get close enough. But I guess the database is wide open. You know, I don't even know if you have to have any specifics. You can just go. Browsing for people that are your neighbors. You type in drone, you know, <laughs> names, whatever, address, owners, maybe, and find it online. Yeah. I heard the database is not secure at all. Kind of like the, uh, kind of like the government employee database that got hacked a while back. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't think anything they have is drones. I mean, uh, anything they have is secure. No. I mean, really, it, it, you know, people got to realize that. Look. There is nothing on the Internet secure. So if there's something you, you don't want the government knowing about, don't do it on the Internet. Right, right, exactly. I, mean, uh, and, you know, I was thinking, why would, why would the, the, the government employment officer, whatever the name is, why would they have um, information about classified um, personnel accessible on the Internet? You know, there is such a thing as an isolated network that does not have Internet access. You can't actually have private things on your network that people 
it has no way to get to the internet, and the internet has no way to get to you. And why would they be putting all that that touchy, you know, information out there with any type of internet connection to it? It just blows my mind. Well, they're stupid, and and they want it out there because you know they know that the average American doesn't have the ability to get to it. Right, but the people that they're telling us they're keeping this information secret from do. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I've said that for, I don't know, as long as I can remember, because it's just true. The only secrets the government are keeping is from the American people. The Russians know what we're doing. The Chinese know what we're doing. We know what they're doing. Everybody, all these governments and banks and corporations all know what each other is doing. The only people in the dark are us. Yep. You know, and, and that's the way they want it. So if you... The national security. You know how tired I am of hearing that, that ploy? National security. To me, when I hear national security, that means that we're breaking the law and we don't want the American citizens to know about it. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, it. Doing something illegal, and we don't want the people that are going to vote for us or elect us to know about it. Well, great example is when Bogreitz was sent to Southeast Asia to look for prisoners of war. So yeah. he ended up talking to a guy named Kun Sa, who at the time was the head of the heroin uh, in the Golden Triangle. Okay? Right. So he said, well, look, you know, I don't have any POWs. I don't know where they are. I'll ask around, but, you know. And he seemed like a nice guy. He seemed like a regular honorable man. So Bo Greitz asked him, you know, you seem like a pretty good guy. And <laughs> how how can you be in the heroin business, Right. Right. Well, Kun San called all his uh, uh, people who, who deal with and said, well, what do you mean me? Your, my biggest customer is your government. And he got it all on video. Voluntarily. I mean, Kun San, he didn't do this secretly. Kun San sat there and said, yeah, these are the guys, you know, because he probably knew, hey, they're shifted from the Golden Triangle over to the Golden Crescent now in, in Afghanistan. So what do I care? They're putting me out of business anyway. But the thing is, when Bogreitz got this video, you know, he told some people what he had, and the next thing it was was arrest Bogreitz on site if he enters the country. You can't come back here. You've got to erase that and forget everything you saw. Why? Because you'll hurt the government. Yep. Hurt the government because, gee, the people will find out you're actually dealing heroin. My, my. Wouldn't that be terrible? I mean, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know when uh, what was his name? That the guy that uh, Geraldo <laughs> went over and or was it Geraldo or somebody went over and interviewed the guys in Afghanistan and said uh, we have regard to poppy fields. One of the soldiers told it. So we have to be culturally sensitive. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, some of our members of our country have a culture that uh, is, you know depends on dealing in, in drugs. So where is that? Where is that here? How does that apply here? Cultural, cultural sensitivity. Yeah, well, I don't think dealing... You know what? Dealing... So now what? Uh, <laughs> dealing heroin is a culture now? Is that right? 
Well, I guess, you know, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> opium is, opium and heroin, which they get from poppies, which they were growing in Afghanistan. They had our troops guarding their crops, you know. So how is opium and heroin any different than, uh, you know? And here I else? thought, here I thought all this time that, you know, that was an addiction, not a culture. See, what do I know? Well, you think about how many people they have locked up over here just for individual consumption of uh, allegedly illicit, you know, substance. Wow. You really are politically correct, aren't you? Illicit (laughs) substance. Wow. (laughs) Hey, we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. People just buying that wine, drinking wine is their delight. And when they get drunk, they start fighting all night. Knocking down windows, breaking down doors, drinking half gallons and tell us one more. And you got a nickel, I got a dime. Let's get together and buy some wine. Somebody a pint, somebody a quart. And if you buy half gallons, you're playing this wine. Drinking wine, wine, wine. Everybody, pass that pile for me.
people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
right, we're back. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Stephan. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still Wednesday, February 17th, 2016. It's uh, 948 Pacific Time, 809-32-1980. You can go to the chat room, which is at our uh, website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll see the chat link. Just click it. Get in there. It's easy. There's people in there chatting away right now as we speak. All right. Uh, oh, hey, the song's there. Uh, the first one there, I didn't see anybody guess on it. It was Mike Bloomfield drinking wine. And the second one there was REO Speedwagon, studio version of this, uh, back when they were good, as somebody in the chat room said. And... I'll, I'll even modify that a little bit. Back when they had a few good songs and did them well, uh, I like the live version uh, better, but it's way too long for now. Welcome back, Melissa. Thank you. Yeah, I know. You don't like the song, and hey, too bad. And I think our caller's still on the line. I am. Ah. Okay, now Melissa's been chomping at the bit. I've got a bunch of stuff, so we'll have to continue next week. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I see. That much, huh? How about yeah. you want to beat this into the ground or something? Well, it's stuff that I haven't heard anybody saying. Well, say it. All right. So there's this guy. He is a former head of criminal investigations for D.C. police. His name is William O. Ritchie. And on his Facebook page, he wrote this about the whole Scalia controversy. As a former homicide commander, I am stunned that no autopsy was ordered for Justice Scalia. You have a Supreme Court justice who died, not in attendance of a physician. You have a non-homicide trained U.S. Marshal tell the Justice of Peace that no foul play was observed. And I also read elsewhere that he, she was planning on going there, this Justice of Peace, who's really a, a county judge, which most people don't, they're saying she's just a justice of peace. But anyway, uh, she was going to go there, but the U.S. Marshal, from what I read, told her, no, there was no foul play and there's no reason and, you know, not to come. Anyway, he goes on to say, you have a justice of the peace pronounced death while not being on the scene and without any medical training opining that the justice died of a heart attack. What medical proof exists of a myocardial infarction or heart attack? Why not a cerebral hemorrhage? How can the just how can the marshal say, excuse me, without a thorough post mortem that he was not injected with an illegal substance that would simulate a heart attack? Did the US Marshal check for patechial hemorrhage in his eyes or under his lips that would have suggested suffocation? Did the US Marshal smell his breath for any unusual odor that might suggest poisoning? My gut tells me there is something fishy going on in Texas. Now, is this coming from TeaParty.org? No. Okay, because I have this exact thing right here in front of me. Mm -hmm. I really do, honestly. And if this isn't enough, the post goes on. Scalia's physician, Brian Moynihan, is a U.S. Navy Rear Admiral and the attending physician for the U.S. Congress and Supreme Court. He declined to comment on Scalia's prior health when reached by telephone Monday at his home in Maryland. Patient confidentiality forbids me to make any comment on the subject. Oh, pardon me. He's not a patient anymore. He's a corpse. That's true. 
When asked whether he planned to make public the statement he's preparing for Texas Judge Guevara, Cinderella Guevara, Monahan repeated the same statement and hung up on a reporter. As long as no law enforcement investigation of Scalia's death is launched, the doctor is justified. Confidentiality applies unless Scalia's family lifts it. But if such an investigation is opened, all bets are off. Confidentiality no longer applies. You see, this whole confidentiality crap for public officials is just that, a bunch of crap. When you sign up and you decide you want to be a public official, you give that up in my mind. You don't have any more confidentiality, okay? You work for me, and I want to know about your health. You're pulling down a big salary, you got an important job, and I want to know your heart's not going to explode on me. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that's BS, and I think that's the, 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 the direction that people need to start utilizing this to push that agenda, to say, look, you know what, you don't want us to have any privacy, fine, then you get no privacy either. You take their privacy away from them, and they'll start singing a different tune. Amen. And there are reports that after Scalia's body was transported from the celebrity ranch in Texas, closely guarded and shielded by a bevy of marshals, it was rapidly embalmed. If so, that would apparently make toxicological tests far more difficult or impossible. I don't know what's true or what's not true. This is just me talking now. Because I've read that he was cremated. So... I've read both, that he was embalmed really fast and cremated, but anyway. Somebody did point out if he's a fervent, if he was a fervent Catholic, why would he be cremated, you know? So, and then it goes on to say, as for a murder motive, try upsetting the voting balance of the U.S. Supreme Court, try a push to appoint a new justice now, thus ensuring the appointee's political persuasion, regardless of the outcome of the 2016 presidential election, try attempting to shift the court's voting balance in upcoming cases on abortion, immigration, and Obamacare, dismiss the comfortable notion that this couldn't happen, JFK couldn't have been murdered, but he was, high political figures don't carry special immunity, dismiss assurances from incompetence in Texas that Scalia died of natural causes, and dismiss the press repeating these assurances, which add up to nothing. Now, let me ask you, mm -hmm. is it confirmed that he was a practicing Catholic I've read that. Okay, because if he was, I have some personal knowledge about uh, <laughs> you. If you're a Catholic, you are not getting cremated. Uh, I'm sorry, because you see, my dad, my grandfather on my dad's side was Catholic, but he was not a practicing Catholic, and he wasn't, you know, he didn't. His wife, what really was the more Catholic, and she was dead already, so he was like... Okay, the answer is yes, because okay. it says the funeral is... I'm looking at... I looked it up, and it says uh, funeral set for largest Catholic church in North America Saturday. Okay, that is so... That's a confirmation. The thing is, my my grandfather directed my dad that he wanted to be cremated, and he wanted his ashes uh, spread across the finish line at Belmont Racetrack, okay? He spent a lot of time in his retirement, you know, betting on the horses. So that's where he wanted to be. So my dad says, you know, okay, you know, last wish of your dad, right? And um, the firestorm that came down on top of my dad from his family was, it was scary as a kid, 
okay? Uh, and my dad basically told him to, you know, well, I, I won't repeat what he told him, but he did it anyway. He followed his dad's, uh, at least as far as cremation. I don't know if he ever, he didn't take me to dump him on the racetrack, but I know he got him cremated, and my dad, for having his dad cremated, as was his last wishes, was excommunicated out of the Catholic Church. It's a serious thing with Catholics, okay? So if Scalia is being cremated, there is some serious monkey business going on. I'm thinking that may not be true. I'm not sure, but I'm reading here. It says, Scalia to lie in state at Supreme Court building. His body will be available for public viewing in the Great Hall of the Supreme Court. Blah, blah, blah. Services will be held Saturday at 11 a.m. at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, according to the NPR report. Yeah, I don't think they, I, I don't actually think they actually embalm you if they're going to cremate you. I don't know. I'm not an expert no. on that, but I don't think they no. do. There's no need No, but I, I don't know. I would think he probably was embalmed, but I don't know. There's conflicting information. Well, if they're going to put him on in stasis there so everybody can look at him, he is definitely embalmed. Because if he wasn't, I thought. there yeah. would be a nasty smell of, what's that dead smell around here? Jeez, you know, right. if you don't embalm somebody. Right, and um, and it goes on, you know, um, saying a little bit more, but dismiss whatever opinions, you know, dismiss assurances from incompetence in Texas that Scalia died of natural causes, and dismiss the press repeating these assurances without a shout-out to nothing, dismiss calls for propriety in a time of grief, dismiss whatever opinions pro and con circulate now about Scalia, his points of view, his decisions, his character, his life. They're irrelevant to the facts of his death. Those facts are as clear as mud. Dismiss the typical accusations of conspiracy theory. It's no theory. When key facts are unknown and incompetence supplied the current information. Um, and There's by no the way, they're, they're calling here. it like right-wing conspiracy theories and all this about Scalia being murdered. Yeah, there, murdered. there's no incompetence. The okay, there, there is no incompetence going on. Everything that's going on is going on according to the way they want it to go on. This isn't just stupid people bumbling around no. not knowing what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And there's another interesting point. Here's, here's Jeb Bush running for president. The Bush family was involved in the Kennedy assassination in where? Texas. So, you know what? Mm -hmm. There's something dirty going on on a lot of different levels yep. here. And as far as um, ways he could have been killed, which, I don't know, we might not have time to get into it. But if not, we can get into it next Wednesday. Because, okay, because we there's really some don't. details and about And I that. wanted to ask Nunya, what's your position on the Scalia thing? You've got about, well, you've got about 30 seconds. I smell a rat. Hey. Well, that's to the point. And uh, I do, I'm, too. You know, I've, I've, I've slept with a pillow over my head before, but I don't sleep on my back with my hands folded across my chest like I'm, a, you know, laying in a coffin, right? Um, you know, I, I put it over my head on the side to, like, to block sound or whatever while I'm laying on my side. But, uh, you know, you don't sleep on your back uh, with a pillow over your face. You know, nobody does that. I mean, that's, an, that's I wake up, you know, sometimes I get, like, the pillow is, like, a little... <laughs> a little too much on the nose and I wake up and I, you know, I push it away and I'm laying on my side. 
I, yeah, I don't sleep on my back, and if I did, I wouldn't sleep on my back with a pillow on the face. And I heard somebody kind of laughing about, you know, there's talk of this ice gun thing, and and he could have had a needle mark and blah, blah, blah. It was actually on AVR, a host said, you know, and Mm -hmm. they were kind of making fun of it. But we know there's that fleshette gun that the FBI, CIA, Secret Service, et cetera, I'm sure, NSA has and uses and probably used to try to assassinate President Reagan. They found it in him. So, you know, it's... They found the wound. A nurse found the little mark near, very close to his heart. They found the flechette. Yeah. They, they took it out of him, okay? okay? I mean, it was like they... Well, she first found the wound. Right, and they got they it. got close. You know, they, they went in there enough to say how close it was to his actual heart. It was very close to killing right. him. Reagan was, uh, you know, uh, real close to being a goner. So it's not something to, like, just smirk at or think that it doesn't exist, because it exists. Well, and with no autopsy, what the heck? You know, I mean, this is the kind of stuff why yep. you do autopsies. But anyway, thanks for calling in, Nunya. Yep, Melissa, thank thanks for being thank on. Listeners, thank you for listening. I heard it I'll see you tomorrow. My new neighbor don't like my big red barn. A 47 Ford bullet holes in the door broke down motor in the front yard. <laughs> I gotta have a mind to paint a plywood sign and nail it up on a knotty pine tree. Saying I was here first, this is my piece of dirt and your rambling don't rattle me. Some people care about what other people think, worry about what they say. Let a little gossip coming from a loose lip run a perfect day. American Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR 2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR 2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. to the report from Iron Mountain. This report is something you would never believe unless you read it. But you also have to understand the mindset of the government that requested it. And that is one of the most important features of this video. The objective was to determine accurately and realistically the nature of the problems that would confront the United States if and when a condition of permanent peace should arrive. This is one of the key elements of the report because we are to go under under the Antichrist system an error of supposed peace. And this is what this whole program was about. If and when a condition of permanent peace should arise, that means that peace in reality equals world socialism, as we will find out as we journey through this report. And they were to draft the program for dealing with this contingency. In other words, this is a planned situation. program 
him equals the agenda, and how do we control the people of America if we move to an era of peace? And not only just America, but the, uh, the whole world at large. In 1961, Public Law 87-297 was passed, paving the way for the United States to be merged with the United Nations. It's a very crucial law in that it disarms the American citizen in violation of the clear intent of the Constitution, which calls for our right to bear arms to maintain our free state. And by the calling for the disarming of all Americans, of course, we lose our free state and we are submerged, actually, into a slave state. Uh, the disarming was to be done by a period of gradual disarmament, and as they were disarming, the United Nations would be built up with a powerful standing army. The evidence suggests a CFRTC Bilderberg connection, the rich men of the earth, the merchants of Babylon, the killers of the just, according to the Holy Scriptures. concerns itself with a globalist agenda and the conclusions reached have been advanced by these groups. Every one of the conclusions in, uh, in the Iron Mountain Report have been advanced by these groups, Committee of 300, the CFR, TC, Bilderbergers, Royal Institute for International Affairs, Tavistock, your Club of Rome, United Nations, it goes on and on. Okay, it began back in 1950, actually. These hearings uh, began to take place in the United States, and the calls for a world government were actually held in 1950. Here's a resolution uh, in Congress that was considered and called for testimony and it says to provide a true world government through the adoption of a world government constitution. There was a clear intent to place the United States directly under the United Nations and to scrap our constitution. Universal peace is a prerequisite for the pursuit of that goal and from the competitive anarchy of nationals or nation states therefore the age of nations must end and the era of humanity must begin. You will find there's a constant call for the merging of all humanity. Here's a resolution uh, adopted in the United Nations. This is what it says, regulation, limitation, and balanced reduction of all armed forces and all armaments. The all armaments means your weapons that you have in your closet for your own defense. It includes handguns and rifles and all kinds of things. Here's your blueprint for world peace, which was issued also in 1961, uh, concurrently as this move uh, towards putting us under the United Nations. You'll find that as the United Nation or United States and the R Russian military are to be reduced. The UN is consistently brought up to a higher and higher position. The only thing we are left with are internal security forces. Under the Freedom from War, this is a packet issued by the federal government to go along with 87-297. This can only be achieved, the merging and disarmament, through the progressive strengthening of international institutions under the United Nations and by creating a United Nations Peace Force. See, they want to progressively strengthen the international institutions, all of which 
come under the United Nations. We are to lose our sovereignty. This can only be achieved through the progressive strengthening. By creating a United Nations peace, which really means police force, to enforce the peace. This is what Daniel said, and by peace, the Antichrist shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. All right, back to the government report. The disbanding of all national armed forces and the prohibition of their reestablishment in any form whatsoever other than those required to preserve internal order and for contributions to a United Nations peace force. They're to bring the U.N. up to a point where no state should, would have the military power to challenge the progressively strengthened U.S. police uh, peace force and all international disputes would be settled according to the agreed principles of international conduct. That's exactly what the Bible says. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. No one can make war with this final world entity. If you will study your scriptures out, you will find that the United Nations fulfills every parameter listed for the uh, Antichrist system. And Public Law 87-297 has been updated. There are numerous updates. You will, if you go search them out, uh, Public Law 101-216, for example, has been updated. Here's another one. I have today signed H.R. 1495, the Arms Control and Disarmament Amendment Acts of 1989. Uh, it authorizes the uh, fiscal appropriations uh, to get this thing underway. Now, the problem with it is the Bill of Rights and Amendment 2, the right to bear arms, a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. In other words, in reality, you cannot infringe that right in any way, method, or manner. The only way a people can remain free is to hold in their power the weapons necessary to secure their free state. This amendment deals with the international security of the United States from its own government. In other words, this amendment was to secure the people's freedom from their own government, from an internal government takeover. This right is not there uh, so that you can go hunting or for the other excuses made. It is there to prevent the government of the United States from becoming a dictatorship by treason. In other words, by betrayal of the Constitution of the United States. Now, in order to merge the United States into the United Nations requires a total betrayal of the Constitution, which guarantees you a free state through the right to bear arms. Do you see the connection? The United Nations is a communist, illuminist, Masonic world dictatorship. And there are no freedoms, hence they have to get the guns to eliminate the free state nation guarantee in our Constitution. 
Iron Mountain report, then, is a report in reality on how to circumvent the Constitution of the United States. And in reality, it's a document of treason, uh, of how the rich men of the earth are actually going to divert the attentions of the people away so that they can get this done. The guidelines given by the government for the Iron Mountain report, one, military-style objectivity, two, avoidance of any value assumptions, and three, the inclusion of all relevant data. And this is a very important part of this report, is the avoidance of all value assumptions. This is what makes it so absolutely cold and inhuman. It is to be a moral, it is as a computer is a moral. It deals in factual data. There is not any mercy, there's not any compassion. It doesn't deal in right or wrong or what is good or evil. It is a report on the handling of men, women, children, and babies on the basis of herd or animal management without regard to any moral considerations whatsoever. It reduces people to objects. It reduces all humans to non-entities with no rights of self-determination, with no rights granted by the Creator, and with absolutely no rights under a constitution. The constitution has been effectively canceled by Iron Mountain. Now again, you'll find these resolutions coming up in Congress all the time that want to strengthen the United Nations, uh, to establish an international criminal court, SJ-32. Uh, these are bills uh, before the Congress and the Senate. Uh, the implementation of Agenda 21 and other Earth Summit agreements, which is all United Nations. Reagan called for the uh, uh, World Army. Uh, there is. Uh, Clinton has approved a UN Army. You're seeing it on TV all the time. War is required, the glue of the nations, according to the Iron Mountain Report. Is war the scourge of the nations? It is said that war is merely an extension of diplomacy by other means. It is also said that war is necessary waste. But what is war? And why do peoples of the earth continuously fight and die? Why do millions of human families have a member or members that they have lost to this thing called war. What is the reality behind war? Does man have to fight wars, or can he develop a system of peace? And would the development of peace be worse than war itself? The Bible gives us some answers. The rest can be supplied by simple logic and deduction. James tells us that from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence? even of your lusts that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and ye cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. The root of war, then, is lust, and lust is want, and want is greed. And the root of greed is a self-centered heart, an unregenerated human heart. 
This is the key we need to explain war, and the Bible gives us many clues to why warfare is, and that in reality, it can never be stopped. The root of the problem lies with the human heart, and the Bible says that the human heart is so desperately wicked that none can know it. Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things, who can know it? Paul says in Romans, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. Jesus was very emphatic that out of the heart of man poured forth all kinds of evil. The problem with mankind is then his evil heart, evil because it is self-centered, and evil because it does not contain true love, the love within that it does have is hurtful or harmful, manipulative, self-centered, and filled with its own desires, according to the Lord. But we obtain other clues as well from the scriptures as to the true reasons for war, and particularly in our day and age. Jesus, uh, rather James says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for the miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver is cankered. The rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped together treasure for the last days. Ye have killed and condemned the just. Now let's run a little logic. Lust is the center of war. Lust is greed, and greed is from evil, self-centered hearts. The Bible also says that the love of money is the root of all evil, or the height of all greeds. Lust, then, is greed, and the ultimate greed is an insane love of money, which brings with it power, which brings with it control over mankind. Thus the rich men of the earth are indeed in total control over money, and they have developed a system of economic controls well laid out in the scriptures. If the rich men of the earth gain control over the planet via their Babylonian economic system, then they are the ones who are only powerful enough and rich enough to wage war, and they are the only ones who can develop the war machines that you are looking at on your television screen. They are the ones who can develop the weapons necessary for modern warfare. Iron Mountain agrees. The very title confirms the Bible. The title says that it is a report on the desirability and feasibility for peace. It was ordered by the rich men of the earth. Therefore, they themselves must be the ones waging the wars, and now they have elected not to wage wars, but have elected uh, to do something else because warfare is drawing to a close, it will have soon served its purpose. In other words, it is a deliberate effort to bring in another system, for the first system of war has almost accomplished the goals originally intended. Albert Pike was purported to have written a letter in which he outlined three world wars. Each had a specific purpose and each had a goal. The last war, World War III, was to be fought to bring in an era of peace under Lucifer. It was to be fought predominantly uh, between the United States and the Soviet Union, and it would come in an era of seeming peace when it seemed like everything was fine, everything was great. The Bible says that the Antichrist is a man of peace. He rides a white horse and has no war machine. There are no arrows in his bow. 
He is to usher in a period of peace after great wars. Iron Mountain is about this era of peace. Iron Mountain is a report to aid Antichrist in his rise to power. It is in reality a report from hell. Iron Mountain asks, what can be expected if peace comes? What should we be prepared to do about it? What, for instance, are the real functions of war in modern societies? These are very important questions. The Soviet Union says the peaceful exploration of outer space is the constructive alternative to the plans uh, aimed at spreading the arms race. In other words, we are always going to find that the opposite of war is peace, which of course it is in reality. But what Iron Mountain is getting at is what are the real functions of warfare, the invisible functions of warfare? What role do they play in the overall structure of human society? For example, the Soviet Union has been on a war fitting for years and years. We have, to a lesser extent, in America been on a war footing. Uh, it's been predominantly uh, a cold war for, for many, many years, but nonetheless, it has been, and uh, as far as the economics of it are concerned, it has been a war era. It's been an age of war. And what this report is asking about is what about peace? It is surely no exaggeration to say that conditions of world peace would lead to changes in the social structure of the nations. These changes would be of unparalleled and revolutionary magnitude. As we would transition then from an era of war into peace, what would be the problems? It is an incorrect assumption that war as an institution is subordinate to the social system it is believed to serve. What they're saying here is that nations wage war for reasons other than what they state. War itself is the basic social system within which others are secondary modes of organization, conflict, or conspire. In other words, war itself is the basic social system of mankind. And if we go to peace, we're going to have problems unless we understand that. It is the system which has governed most human societies on record today. Well, this is, of course, very true in our day and age. We have seen nothing but war, starting uh, predominantly with World War I and coming forward. Uh, the Soviet Union has uh, had tremendous expenditures in their military, and the United States has likewise. It's been, in reality, an arms race. Uh, we're going to find out there is a reason for it. The capacity of a nation to make war is the greatest social power it can exercise. War-making, active or contemplated, is a matter of life and death, says Iron Mountain. The misconceptions of war, one, to defend a military, or defend a nation, rather, from military attack by another, or to deter such attack. To defend the national interest, economic, political, or ideological. 
maintain or increase a nation's military power for its own sake. Now you see, these are the visible or more obvious reasons why a person would say, well, that's why we have war. But what they're saying is there are more, less obvious, very invisible reasons for why nations have war. And this is the heart of the entire Iron Mountain report. Its conclusion was that war is absolutely necessary. It's an absolute requirement for human societies and nations to come together. It is in reality, they claim, the glue of the nations. The Soviet military machine or its war-making capacity is the actual glue that has held the Soviet Union and the Communist Empire together. If they were to move into an era of peace, what would happen? All right, Iron Mountain says it is these invisible or implied functions that are the dominant forces in our society. So what we have to find out then is what are the true functions of war in a society. Why, for example, has the Soviet Union and the United States, uh, both of which are controlled by the rich men of the earth, been on a constant war footing, constantly escalating this conflict? Why are they doing it, and what are the reasons behind it? Economic reasons are it is a necessary waste that operates outside the normal economic supply and demand system. Warfare creates an artificial demand. In other words, the war system itself, having huge militaries with all of their armaments, with all of the research and developments, creates a demand. This waste of money outside the system, according to Iron Mountain, acts as a counterbalance to the economic growth of the nation. It is progressive for research and development of weapon systems, and it spurs technological advances which spin off and help society at large. Defense spending, per se, might be countenanced on economic grounds alone as a stimulator of the national metabolism. In other words, war itself, for economic purposes, is a tremendous growth factor. For the political reasons, it's different. A nation is a group of people organized together with a common goal and a national identity. The nation has an outlook or an attitude of how it will deal with other nations, and that's what we call foreign policy. A nation's foreign policy, says Iron Mountain, can have no substitute if it lacks, or no substance rather, if it lacks the means of enforcing its attitude. In other words, if the nation is not strong enough, it doesn't matter what their attitude towards somebody else is. War is itself the defining element of any nation's existence vis-a-vis -vis any other nation. War then equals nations because it is the glue of nations and what causes them to come together and peace would mean the dissolving of the nations. The elimination of war implies the elimination of national sovereignty and the traditional nation state. Please understand the importance of that remark in Iron Mountain.
It is the elimination of war that brings us to world government. The war system not only has been essential to the existence of nations as independent political entities, but has been equally indispensable to their stable internal development. Without it, the war system, no government has ever been able to obtain its legitimacy, or in other words, we could say its right to rule its society. War is the basis of that claim to rule, and it is therefore the glue that holds a nation together, according to Iron Mountain. The possibility of war provides a sense of external necessity without which no government can remain in power. The organization of a society for the possibility of war is its principal political stabilizer. All right, in other words, for the Soviet Union, they said that the American people were the enemy. And that gave them the glue which held the Soviet Empire together, which rallied the people to make such sacrifices so that we could build up this huge war machine. The basic authority of the modern state over its people resides in its war powers. Now that's another very important statement. Therefore, a substitute for the war system must be found in order to control the people and provide stability and legitimacy of government if we go into an era of peace. Now we know that the United Nations is to be that era of peace. So therefore, what they are saying is we have to find substitutes for what war does, the invisible functions of war. We have to find a substitute for that if we are going to go to peace. Obviously, if the war machine is discarded, new political machinery would be needed at once. In other words, as they phase war out, they have to phase whatever they're going to put in its place in to control the people, to control the nation. This is an essential part of Iron Mountain. Until it, the substitute for war, is developed, the continuance of the war system must be assured to maintain the stability of its internal organization of power. We have to keep the war system going in order to remain in control. Keep war until all substitutes are in place and running so we don't lose our rulership. In other words, those that are in power are going to remain in power. They've got to figure out a way to do that. So they're going to de-escalate the war system as they bring in a peace system. And the peace system is going to radically alter our societies. What substitutes for war are there? Well, it has to be a universal threat of equal magnitude as that of World War. The immediate loss of life 
and the immediate thought that blood is going to be shed. It has to be credible, and it must be accepted by the vast majority of the population of any given nation or, in reality, the whole world if they're going to bring in global peace. Credibility, in fact, says Iron Mountain, lies at the heart of the problem of developing a political substitute for war. We must emphasize that one must be found of credible quality and magnitude if a transition to peace is to ever come about without social disintegration. In other words, really what they're saying is a nation would self-destruct without an external threat of some type. It is more probable in our judgment that such a threat will have to be invented rather than developed from some unknown conditions. That means exactly what it says. They're going to invent a system to accomplish this. An effective political substitute for war would require alternate enemies. In other words, we have to find an external threat that's uh, essentially very large. It may be, for instance, that gross pollution of the environment can eventually replace the possibility of mass destruction by nuclear weapons as the principal threat to the survival of the species. In other words, they're going to bring the environment up to a point of global threat. Poisoning of the air and of the principal sources of food and water supply is already well advanced and at first glance would seem promising in this respect. It constitutes a threat that can be dealt with only through social organization and political power. But from present indications, it will be a generation to a generation and a half before environmental pollution will be sufficiently menacing on a global scale to offer a solution as a substitute for war. In other words, we replace the war threat with an environmental threat. Now you know why the environment is on the TVs and the media constantly. A generation to, is about 30 years, so it would be about 1991 if this would be brought up to global scale. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively for this purpose. In other words, what they're going, you could you could selectively find areas where you could deliberately increase the pollution to get this threat in motion a little quicker. It is true that the rate of pollution could be increased selectively. In fact, the mere modification of existing programs for the deterrence of pollution could speed up the process enough to make the threat credible much sooner. In other words, let's have the governments drag their feet on pollution controls or the enforcement of pollution controls. And around the world, that's exactly what we have seen, a matter of foot dragging on the areas. One would then perhaps get the concept that this was all deliberate. Allow pollution to deliberately get worse until it can be manipulated by the controlled media into a world crisis. A global crisis has to be developed. Al Gore, Vice President, very timely book, perhaps coincidentally. He wrote the book called Earth in the Balance, Ecology and the Human Spirit. It's a modern version of Iron Mountain in the ecological field. 
And, and in reality, it's quite an interesting book. You, you should go out and buy a copy of it. Uh, the world uh, government organizations are pushing this climate crisis, emergency Earth Rescue Administration. The people of the Earth have a new common en enemy, which requires an emergency worldwide campaign. You see, and we have to abandon our armaments to join in a common cause for survival. What did Iron Mountain say? It had to be a threat to the survival of the species. It wasn't until the late 1960s when Apollo missions were bound for the moon that we were first able to see complete pictures of the Earth. Environmentalists began to look at our planet as a single fragile ecosystem. Now we are intensely studying the thin halo of atmosphere that surrounds and protects Earth. It recycles the air we breathe, regulates climate, and acts as a protective barrier filtering out much of the sun's harmful radiation. Last year, an international group of scientists proved that ozone, the key element in this filtering process, is being lost at an alarming rate over the South Pole. In fact, a sizable hole develops over this area each winter. Without ozone, the sun's harmful radiation will destroy life on Earth. A group of man-made compounds called chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, used as refrigerants, cleaning solvents, and in some plastic foams, are to blame for this environmental problem. They eventually make their way into the atmosphere and destroy ozone. According to Dr. Brian Toon of NASA's Ames Research Center, it is a global-scale environmental problem. This really marks the first time uh, in the history of environmental science where human beings on one side of the planet have done something to the planet that has significantly affected it globally and on, on the far side of the planet from where the original pollution took place. Using the beautiful seaport town of Stavanger, Norway as a base of operations, an international team of scientists assembled this year in an emergency effort to make a detailed study of the North Pole. Most of the work was performed aboard two NASA aircraft. This is the ER-2. For the mission, special wing pods are attached containing atmospheric chemistry analysis equipment and a host of other instruments. Typically, flights are made about 12 miles up along the fringes of space, right into the layers of atmosphere directly affected by ozone loss. The ER-2's research partner is a modified DC-8. It flies at lower altitudes, but has increased fuel reserves, which allow it to cover more territory, even flights directly over the North Pole. Inside, the DC-8 is actually a complete scientific observatory, loaded with sensing instruments. Scientists perform their experiments and are able to map results right on the spot. This instrument contains four lasers capable of shooting light many miles up into the atmosphere. The light reflects back to the plane and provides scientists with a cross-sectional map of ozone concentrations as well as aerosols, or regions where ozone depletion is capable of occurring. Initial results from both aircraft indicate that high concentrations of CFCs have been found at northern latitudes, prime 
destined for ozone destruction. When combined with high-altitude ice clouds, the right amount of sunlight and confined slow-moving masses of air, ozone destruction occurs. As a result of this airborne mission, scientists were able to confirm the process and predict areas of depletion. International policymakers have met in hopes of limiting the amount of CFC production and recently agreed to phase out its use by the year 2000. Many scientists worry that this may not be soon enough. Again, Dr. Toon. With the ozone problem, for example, when you release chlorofluorocarbons to the environment, it's decades to centuries before those are removed. Researching safe economic replacements for CFCs is a vital part of solving this serious environmental issue. Thanks to the intensive work done in the last few years, we know why ozone depletion exists. It is now up to the world community to take responsibility for the future of our global environment. Two Landsat satellites continue to orbit the Earth 14 times a day. From their 570-mile-high vantage point, they return images like these taken over rich California farmlands. Telltale red images indicate vigorous vegetation growth. The state of California is using Landsat imagery to inventory and map its irrigated cropland. Ecology, the balance of nature, is important to all life. One of the tools we can use to monitor this balance of nature on Earth is the satellite. Satellites can be used to observe our planet from a high vantage point. A NASA film called Remote Possibilities tells the story. From far out in space, the Earth appears serene and beautiful, displaying no hints of our crowded planet's many problems. we have become aware that in many ways we are exhausting it. Exhausting our food supplies, our sources of energy, our natural lands, exhausting the potential of even the once seemingly limitless oceans. Management of Earth's resources is at a critical stage. It has never been more important that we understand the environmental relationships of our planet. Scientists are striving to apply the technology of the space age, the quest for more and better information about these complex relationships. In 1972, a new kind of satellite left the launch pad and rose to an altitude of 910 kilometers from Earth. There it settled in a circular orbit around the planet. This satellite, called Landsat, opened a new era of Earth resource management. substitute for war has then been found. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. The objectives of the EcoScan? Well, the UN will end up with control over all the land, and ownership of the land will be held by the rich men. There is arising a crisis of worldwide proportions involving developed and developing countries alike, the crisis of the human environment. 
The process of compromise of national interests will, of course, have to take place. International economic security is inconceivable unless related not only to the world's environment, but also to the elimination of the threat to the world's environment. Well, the only major threat is private property ownership and private property rights where people can do as they want. Let us also think about setting up within the framework of the United Nations a Center for Emergency Environmental Assistance. You can see how they're raising this thing up to an emergency status, an emergency le level. And that's what Mikhail Gorbachev said in December 8, 1989, in a speech to the United Nations. The United Nations will be the controller of all the lands in the world through their various ecological, environmental uh, organizations that they are in the process of setting up. In fact, the Rio Earth Summit was for that specific reason. Now, it's owned by the rich men. That's who owns the United Nations. That's who actually runs it. Eco Foundations of the World Wildlife Fund, Heritage Trust, Nature Conservancy, etc. cetera. Uh, there's a lot of them, and you have many UN organizations. And the rich men of the earth sit on the boards of directors on all of these groups. These groups are buying up huge chunks of private land for conservation, they say, and to preserve the earth. And, of course, all of it is to be owned by the rich men. And what they cannot purchase by normal means will be taken under zoning controls, DNR regulations, or other land grab means via governmental authority and regulation. All land will be under strict eco-controls, because after all, we are now involved in, in the middle of an eco-emergency, and it's nothing but a scam. It's really a debt for land swamp is another part of it. The international bankers loan and control the monies to all the countries and through interest have driven them into huge debt status. The debt of the United States is in the trillions. The bankers then come forward with a new plan. They will take the nation's land, and then they will cancel the debt of that nation. It is called a debt-for-land swap. This land will be held by a world conservation bank, owned, of course, by the rich men of the earth. They will then own all the land, all the resources, all the food. They become the absolute masters, and all the people become the slaves. It's a perfect scam. It's a perfect system. Because the eco-threat is now global, then obviously it can only be controlled by a global authority. And guess who that is? Why, of course, it's the United Nations. Now, the eco-scam is being pushed by every organization that's involved in the environment. Uh, even Time magazine ran an article on the endangered earth. It's being put in all your children's uh, school books, all of their study books, about the crowding of human life, about how we have such an ecological crisis, an environmental crisis, and unless we all do our share, why the whole world is just going to disintegrate and the entire population of man will be eliminated. That's according to them. It's very interesting that Daniel said of the Antichrist that he shall divide the land for gain. In other words, 
he takes over all the land and divides it up amongst these various foundation groups. And that's exactly what's happening. hotly argued that such a menace would offer the last best hope for peace by uniting mankind against the danger of destruction by creatures from other planets or from outer space. Experiments have been proposed to test the credibility of an out-of-the-world invasion threat. It is possible that a few of the more difficult to explain flying saucer incidents are of this nature. The thrust of the second threat is to unite mankind against a common enemy. The escalation of the UFO mystery requires careful media control. The threat must also dovetail into the agenda for a one world government. Everything that Iron Mountain proposes in all of their substitutes will lead into a one world government. And that is the whole nature of it. There has been a tremendous amount of interest in UFO activity. Many, many books have been written about it. Uh, the average Christian, I believe, probably poo-poos the whole subject, but we believe here at uh, CIA they're making a tragic mistake when they do that uh, because the Bible uh, does mention some things that would tend to imply very strongly that UFOs are in fact real and will be a latter-day occurrence uh, just before the end and just before the return of Jesus Christ. Uh, as you can see, here's a book uh, for Christians, UFO End Time Delusion. It is part of the grand delusion that God is going to cast down upon man for the rejection of Jesus Christ in the end. There have been many books written about uh, the government's cover-up of the UFO experience and that the United States government knows exactly what is going on, and we would agree with that uh, from the viewpoint of the scriptures, uh, that the people of the world, the, the governments of the world, the, the highest levels of uh, the powers that be, uh, know exactly what's going on when it comes to the UFO mystery. They do because their mind is controlled by Satan, and he is the author of all of this. It's part of the grand delusion in the end. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now Satan was cast down to earth, and we were to observe it from here. It would appear as though he came down from heaven. For as the days of Noah were, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now Jesus said, so shall it also be. And the days of Noah were quite a few. He lived 950 years before and after the flood. He uh, was there when uh, man began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, 
And the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair. Now, the book of Enoch gives us some information about that. It happened after the sons of men had multiplied in those days that the daughters were born to them, elegant and beautiful. And when the angels, the sons of heaven, came down, you see, they took wives, each choosing for himself, whom they began to approach and with whom they cohabitated, and uh, teaching them sorcery and incantations. Uh, and uh, the whole situation is one where these were literal fallen angels that came down and mated with the daughters of men. And they produced uh, a race of giants, according to the Book of Enoch. And many ancient writings give this interpretation to the sons of God mystery of Genesis 6. And what is interesting is, is that they said they would return. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of demons. Now, the word seducing comes from the word planos, which, if you do a word study, comes all the way back to where we get our word planet. Could it be that the interpretation is, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to imposters from other planets? That would be the most literal translation, and that is also exactly what is happening. These imposters are actually demons pretending to be from outer space. It is part of the grand delusion. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They reject the concept of creation, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. This would result in UFO contacts of the first, second, and third kind as Satan sends his advance guard to prepare man for the grand delusion. of an average planet circling an ordinary yellow star, an advanced intelligence searches the skies for evidence of life. Directed by even higher intelligence, machines with brains of silicon patiently sift through faint shards of radio data for the unmistakable signal that will indicate the first sign of life beyond Earth. Plans for the most sophisticated SETI search ever focus on the Goldstone Deep Space Communication Complex in California's Mojave Desert. It is the site of tests for a possible future NASA project, one not yet funded. The full-scale NASA system, when operational in the next decade, would be billions of times more powerful than the sum of all previous searches. For Carl Sagan, a proponent of SETI for many years, this technical progress has made the present unique. For the first time, we're mustering substantial, sophisticated, serious uh, scientific searches for, for extraterrestrial intelligence. There's never been a time like that before. So there is some chance that in the next few decades, we will get the signal from some 
spectacularly distant, spectacularly exotic civilization, and everything on Earth will, as a consequence, change. That is possible. beyond Earth has been debated for centuries. Deciding what sort of signal to look for in the sky is no easy task. NASA's proposed search focuses on radio, a portion of the electromagnetic spectrum where nature produces the least interference for any intelligent signal. The plan is to use existing radio antennas and combine them with advanced computer hardware and software specifically designed for the task. Processing equipment suitable for SETI is constantly becoming more powerful and more efficient, but also cheaper and smaller than ever before. The pioneer Frank Drake came up with a way to organize our developing knowledge and current ignorance. SETI scientists often use what's called the Drake Equation to illuminate the necessary conditions for contact and to provide a rough estimate of the number of other civilizations. The existence of other technical civilizations depends upon astronomy, how planets form, comparative planetology, biochemistry, the role of intelligence in evolution, technology, and the fate of technical civilization. So SETI becomes a way to test our theories of the origin and evolution of the universe and the place of life within it. There are several keys here that we want to look at as we keep Iron Mountain's report in mind. The two primary keys are that evolution is an accepted fact and ETs are now accepted at the highest levels of government. We believe that the SETI program is camouflage for what is really going on or the contact uh, reports that have been gotten out from the government under the uh, Freedom of Information Act are in fact uh, cover uh, for the SETI program. But the two, we believe, are going to merge in the end and introduce uh, mankind to the aliens who are in reality demons uh, and Satan's advance guard. The movies that have produced are very important. Uh, Satan plants a seed, he waters it, then he sits back and watches it grow, and then he reaps the harvest. And the harvest, of course, is the loss of millions upon millions of men. The Day the Earth Stood Still was produced many years ago, but it's a very, very important film in that it planted the seed. The Day the Earth Stood Still uh, said that war must stop, peace must be enforced, and world government is a requirement to uh, get all of this to happen. The message was very important. E.T., a very, very popular movie, uh, taught us some things as well. It said that reptiles are very cute, that love is the answer, that love heals, but more importantly, that we all in evolve in a different manner. You're going to find evolution 
at the bottom of all of these movies. And Star Wars is another one. Uh, how famous they were. Well, they're programming the human mind for certain things. One, evolution of the races, good and evil forces, a universal, eternal fight between the forces of good and evil, and more importantly, a federation of planets, a uniting of the nations, a uniting of all the planets. Mankind will evolve upwards and eventually will join an intergalactic civilization. And this is the important keynotes in every one of these movies. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was a very, very important film. It, was, it bases itself on evolution, too, that the United Nations is a central player in that movie. The U.S. military is connected to the United Nations in that movie, and that mankind will join interplanetary civilization. It starts by contact, by uh, exchanges of the races. In other words, some of our people go there, and some of their people come here. Now, something surfaced uh, not too long ago called Majestic 12 that dealt with government contact with aliens. A lot of people laugh at this document and think it's a hoax. Our research against the Bible would say that it is not a hoax, that this actually is legitimate and that contact has been made. Operation Majestic 12 is a top-secret research and development intelligence operation established by special classified executive order of President Truman. Now, this took place uh, back some years ago. Very interesting, however, what Majestic 12 sets up. A rancher reported that one, a UFO, had crashed in a remote region of New Mexico. Now, you might have even seen this uh, replayed on uh, Unsolved Mysteries. They ran uh, a series on this. A secret operation was begun to assure recovery of the wreckage of this object. Aerial reconnaissance discovered that fall of four small human-like beings had ejected from the craft. All four were dead. News reporters were given the effective story that the object had been a weather balloon. They are discounting the UFOs to the public while they gather the evidence uh, secretly. The biological and evolutionary, there's your key, processes responsible for their development has apparently been quite different from those in Homo sapiens. Evolution is then a proven fact insofar as the government is concerned. They have accepted evolution as an established fact. The aliens then did not evolve as we did. This is the very basis of the grand delusion. It's creation versus evolution. Evolution is essential for the grand delusion because men reject the creation of the world and people by Jesus Christ. So it's very important you understand that evolution is the keynote. The ultimate intentions of these visitors is completely unknown, the report said. But if you read the Bible, you will know they are demons and you will know they are the advanced guard of Satan and that they are setting up the world for its final uh, ruin and taking of people into eternal hell. Uh, UFOs are real. There's no question about that they are real. The only question is, is what are they? 
And if you take the evidence of the scriptures, uh, definitely we believe here at least that they are the sons of God returning just exactly as they said they would in a, all the occultic literature talks about this. Now there is an area out west called Area 51, uh, Groom Lake. Uh, there's also Tonopar. Uh, there are several areas uh, from which Project Red Light was developed. It's a top secret testing program for alien technology for defense purposes. This is very interesting that a lot of this stuff is uh, being leaked right at this moment uh, as we get into this. A congressman said, I have no comment as to what is going on in Area 51. That was Congressman Harry Reid, and he went out there to visit the area because the Air Force had made a land grab, and he went out there on behalf of his constituents to find out why. It is said that President Eisenhower signed a treaty with actual aliens in 1957. The swap was they could take our people for experimentation and we would get technology in exchange. In other words, the aliens come to Earth, we take their technology to build our defense mechanisms. Now, a lot of people think this is ridiculous, but if you read what it says about Babylon the Great, the nation, it gets all of its technology from Satan. Satan is the one that gives them the power. And this is why the United Nations is being brought up. And this is why the United States is so deeply involved. And in exchange for technology, the U.S. government agreed to allow the aliens to abduct humans for experiments. And this accounts for the large number of abductions reported all over America. This is part of the grand delusion, which has evolution at the root of it. Now you have actually two options. All of the leaks of this type of information are disinformation, where it is real, and the aliens really are here. The Bible evidence would be that it is real, the aliens are here, and that they are the advanced guard for Satan. He's programming the human race for this delusion, and it's based upon evolution. The sons of God of Genesis 6 have returned, as they said they would in occult writings. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so would it be again. And that's when the sons of God came down. So therefore, the agenda of Iron Mountain for external threat number two has been and is being carried out. Now, scientists are even going to the UN now to find out how are we going to answer these uh, aliens from our SETI contacts at NASA. They believe the UN should do all of this. And so you see it elevates the United Nations to power. And this is very important. It's part of the Iron Mountain of, uh, agenda. argued that a well-armed international police force operating under the authority of such a supernatural court could well serve this purpose. In other words, they're going to set up a, another threat. This is threat number three, actually, an omnipresent, virtually omnipotent political or police force. It's, uh, it's an international police force. 
Because remember, if we go into peace, we have to dissolve the nations, because war is the reason we have nations. All right, so the report then that was issued by the State Department, Freedom from War, and the program was to establish a permanent international peace force within the United Nations. In other words, to deliberately bring it up. The peacekeeping capabilities of the United Nations would be sufficiently strong and the obligations of all states under such an arrangement sufficiently far-reaching as to assure peace and a just settlement of difficult of differences in a disarmed world. Uh, they're going to use the United Nations to keep the peace. In other words, a world government, which is exactly what Daniel talked about and Jesus talked about. And uh, it's very deadly. During stage two, states will develop further the peacekeeping processes of the United Nations to the end that the United Nations can effectively uh, suppress any threat or use of force by anyone. And that would include the uh, America, the American people. It's going to be omnipresent. And it's going to be omnipotent in its ability to handle. And this is what Revelation says, who can make war with the beast? Remember that the U.S. and the Russia are to have their internal uh, or militaries turned over to the United Nations in this three-stage process, and we end up with the U.N. in total control of the world, a global entity precisely as Daniel and Revelation talk about. It's uh, And Jeremiah and Isaiah refer to it as, of course, Babylon. And this process, of course, emerges bringing out the United Nations as the final end-time global ruling entity, which the Bible refers to as the apparatus of the Antichrist, or we could say the Antichrist system. And that is why it sits in New York City, the big city. On the wall in the Security Council is the Phoenix. That picture you're looking at right there is, in reality, the Phoenix bird, uh, which is to grow up out of the old world order. America is to be patrolled by Russian, Belgian, Irish, and Colombian and Venezuelan troops under this plan. Uh, U.N. troops are already on U.S. soil. And it won't be very long before these sites that you're seeing right here are going to be very commonplace in the United States. And if the American citizens resist, they are simply going to be liquidated according to the Bible. Uh, this power will come to pass. They've laid their plans well, and God has ordained it uh, uh, and, allowed it, and is allowing it to happen. And so it's in reality here in America, it's a judgment against the United States. Uh, there are many books written about a United Nations peace force, so this is not anything we're making up. Uh, they come in under the, the UN Charter. And the last part of it, this principle of non-interfering in a nation shall not prejudice the application of enforcement measures under Chapter 7. In other words, the United Nations claims that it doesn't really want to get involved in internal national affairs, but the opposite is in reality the truth. Chapter 7 deals with action with respect to threats of the peace, breaches of the peace, or acts of aggression. 
and it's the Security Council itself that determines the existence of a threat, breach, or act of aggression. And it can even walk in under the threat, or it's a possibility that we might have problems. And they determine the existence of any threat to the peace. So they can come in if they choose to on very fragile grounds, which is exactly what they did in Somalia. Should the Security Council consider that measures provided in 41, which are more economic, uh, I don't know exactly what word to use, but sanctions, I guess, is the best word to cover it. If that doesn't work, if economic sanctions do not work, then they can resort to military powers. And they can use whatever they have to to maintain or restore international peace. Now, Psalm 2 says that the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Where do the rulers of the world meet? They meet at the United Nations. And this is where they take their counsel together. And the United Nations is, according to the Bible, anti-Christ, anti-God, to its very core. It is, in fact, the substitute for God and Christ on planet Earth. They intend to take it for themselves. The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon Earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole Earth, and shall tread it down, and shall break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. Now, it's a diverse kingdom. The United Nations is not a kingdom, and it's not a nation. It exists solely by treaty power, by an arrangement of nations itself. <coughs> Excuse me. The United Nations is to be brought up to full global power with an army so powerful that none can fight against it. That's the entire plan, and that is exactly what the Bible talks about for the end times. It will also break into pieces the entire world, and that's done under Article 52, which deals with regionalism, which is, in fact, breaking the world into pieces. <clears throat> and this is how they do it. They actually subdivide the world into ten regions. That came out of the Club of Rome, and here are the regions on, on the uh, TV screen. Uh, region 1, of course, is uh, North America, and it's Region 1 by virtue of the fact that it, North America, and particularly the United States, are the power, is the primary power behind the United Nations enabling this to happen. The United States itself is broken down into 10 federal regions. We have global regions, and now we have national regions. And in our country, they are simply called uh, federal regions. And we're moving, in effect, from elected officials to an appointed officials to non-elected bureaucrats who are appointed. Now, each region has uh, different states in it, and the number of states varies with each particular region. Then each state is subdivided up into its particular regions. Many times it falls along county lines. Many times it doesn't. Overlapping all of it is, of course, a uh, grids that keep getting smaller and smaller, which is the reason why thousands or millions, actually, of Americans are getting address changes. 
They're going under the United Nations grid system, which divides the world into tiny pieces, which is exactly what Daniel said. They can get it right down to your house number. In fact, they can get it down to about 10 square yards of turf. By Recently, NASA's Landsat 4 satellite, shown here just before its trip into space, was launched from the western test range by a Delta rocket. This Landsat is the fourth in a series of NASA spacecraft designed to continuously collect accurate information on Earth's resources. More than 100 nations will make use of the information gathered by Landsat 4 in land use planning, mineral exploration, and agriculture. Landsat project scientist Dr. Vincent Solomonson described a new instrument on the satellite called the thematic mapper. In urban planning, the thematic mapper will be very effective. Features that were blurred or hazy over cities as viewed by the, the multispectral scanner on Landsats 1 through 3 will be seen much more clearly from the thematic mapper. And as a result, urban planners will be able to manage and monitor the spread of the urban sprawl into the surrounding countryside. The major receiving and processing facility for Landsat data is located at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland. After completing its three-year mission, Landsat 4 is designed to be retrieved by the space shuttle. So what we have are 10 federal regions. We have 10 federal regional councils, which are miniature Washingtons, in each federal capital. We're being regionalized, and pretty soon there won't be any such things as counties or states. So what we're doing is we're going from county and state control to total federal control, and then the federal government's losing its control to the United Nations. This is globalism. This leads to the federalization of our police or the security forces within the United States. And this is really in total violation of the constitutional implications, but they're not paying any attention to the Constitution. The internal security forces are not your peacekeeping, UN peacekeeping troops. Uh, peacekeeping troops are there to put down uh, actual revolutions and, and wars. The internal security forces are there more for crime control and the rounding up of people. Predominantly, the MJTF police will be the national police force. And this is George Bush and Clinton and the rest of them have continuously pushed this arms control treaty because they have to disarm us in order to make this thing work. If you will recall, we discussed that in the constitutional crisis. The MJTF police means multi-jurisdictional task force police, and it removes all citizens from local, county, and state protections that you had under the law, and they're just abolishing all of this. And the MJTF police mission, we believe, is the house-to-house -house search and seizure of uh, people. It's made up of National Guard units, state and local police, convert street gangs as needed into uh, deputized police. House-to-house -house search and seizure, separa uh, separation and categorization of men, women, and children as prisoners in large, war, uh, large areas. Now you have to understand that in order to liquidate the millions of people that Jesus Christ says are going to be liquidated, they have to plan this out long before it happens. 1965, 
They started the Office of Law Enforcement Assistance. Then came in 1968 the Omnibus Crime Control Act, which converted the OLEA to the Law Enforcement Assistance Administration. They called in turn in 1971 for a regionalized police force. In 1971, an advisory commission on intergovernmental relations issued a pamphlet called uh, M67, which called for a special multi-county and interstate police force. In other words, the merging of all police forces into one federal group. The LEAA in 1973 made calls for the elimination by merger of small police forces. This is exactly what Germany did under Hitler. All dictatorships have two common characteristics, general confiscation of guns in order to prevent internal rebellion and the establishment of a national police force to enforce the edicts of the dictator. We are following Nazi Germany almost to the exact letter. Uh, Carter issued an executive order 12148 and he established the Federal Emergency Management Agency known as FEMA. FEMA absorbed the LEAA and became the primary control organization for internal security of the United States in an emergency. They're gearing this thing towards an emergency. That emergency is going to be World War III and it ushers in this whole system. They, they, FEMA has many interesting programs. Rex 82 Bravo, Rex 84 Alpha, Helix 2, Rex Alpha, Night Train, Cable Splicer, Garden Plot. These are all martial law training exercises. The plan is to bring America under martial law. We believe they know the American people would never accept this system except an external emergency were given. Uh, the UN system, remember, is a martial law military system. Under the executive orders of FEMA, mandatory registration of all people, including babies and children in the United States, at the United States Post Office. They have boxes in them. We already know about it. Uh, they're marked for emergency use only. Uh, the primary one here to look at is 11,000 seizure of all civilians and work brigades, which is in reality slavery and includes the rights to split up families as well. In essence, what will happen in America is going to be worse than the communist revolution in Russia. This plan provides the basis for the deployment and employment of military resources, including National Guard personnel for civilian disturbances. So Iron Mountain external threat number three has been and is now being implemented. An omnipotent police force. Next on the list is the space program as an economic substitute for war. It is the development of a long-range sequence of space research projects with largely unattainable goals. It's the nearest modern equivalent yet devised to pyramid building and similar ritualistic enterprises of ancient societies. decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best 
of our energies and skills, because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. associated with the Saturn V was huge. The rocket itself, the building where it was assembled, and the crawler transporter that carried it to the launch pad. The fully loaded Apollo Saturn V was 363 feet tall. Its main engines alone generated 160 million horsepower, and its fuel pumps pushed fuel to the engines with a force of 30 diesel locomotives. Saturn V lifted off Launch Complex 39 for the first time. It weighed more than 2,800 tons.
ASTP, Apollo-Soyuz Test Project, a joint endeavor between the Soviet Union and the United States. The mission called for a mutual docking and crew exchange to develop the necessary equipment for international space rescues. We looked back at planet Earth with Landsat remote sensing satellites. Crops, forests, pollution, all can be photographed in great detail to help us better manage our Earth's resources. now, two-thirds of the planets in our solar system have been explored, and by the end of this decade, we will have explored most of the rest, including Uranus and Neptune. Space Shuttle 5, the first operational flight. Two commercial communications satellites were hauled into orbit, one for satellite business systems and one for Telesat of Canada. Their deployment was a complete success. I got it. Space Shuttle 6 was the second operational mission and Flight 1 for Challenger, this country's newest spacecraft. After launching a 5,000-pound tracking and data relay satellite from the payload bay, mission specialist astronauts Story Musgrave and Donald Peterson became the first Americans in nine years to walk in space. Practice needed for satellite repair work. Historically, the space program has proceeded in a building block fashion. And toward that end, NASA has begun looking at the next logical step, a possible future space station, a permanent presence in space. The station would serve as a scientific and technological laboratory, as well as an operations base from which satellites could be serviced and large structures assembled. One of the highest priorities is to develop a clear understanding of a station's proper role in the total space program so that if and when it is proposed for development, the station will be a truly significant national asset, one that would ensure continued American preeminence in space. The space program in general, and the shuttle program in particular, are going a long way to help our country recapture its spirit of vitality and confidence. The pioneer spirit still flourishes in America. In the future, as in the past, our freedom, independence, and national well-being will be tied to new achievements, new discoveries, and pushing back new frontiers. We must look aggressively to the future by demonstrating the potential of the shuttle and establishing a more permanent presence in space. Even when ratified, the INF Treaty will not totally eliminate the nuclear threat to Eurasia. The vast nuclear arsenal possessed by the USSR and the variety of delivery systems available still present a significant threat. The organization of fail-safe inspection machinery could well be ritualized in a manner similar to that of established military processes. Inspection teams might be very like armies, and their technical equipment might be very like weapons. Inflating the inspection budget, in other words, what they want to do is they want to expand this. So what do we have? The INF Treaty, uh, where it says inspection machinery 
could well be ritualized, according to Iron Mountain. Inspection teams might be very uh, like very armies. And that's exactly what has happened. We have a great ritual of disarmament. It's very interesting what you find when you start digging into the INF treaty hearings. Uh, limited test ban. Let's take a look at all the treaties. Limited test ban, 1963. Non-proliferation, 1968. The ABM Treaty, 1972. The SALT-1s, the SALT-2, the IMF Treaty. Very long, drawn-out process. And this is exactly what Iron Mountain recommended be done. It is uh, one of the most important elements of the INF Treaty is the President establishes in this area operating on-site inspection. One layer of the regime, it says on the last sentence, builds upon another. And the whole thing becomes elongated and it actually becomes a monster in and of itself. The data exchanges required are really immense and so it requires an elaborate governmental uh, system in order to accommodate all of this. And so Iron Mountain recommendation number two has definitely been implemented. The second one is the universal health care was a recommendation of Iron Mountain. Universal health care for all. It's an economic substitute for the war economy. It's very interesting how all of this works. Health, drastic expansion of medical research, education and training facilities, hospital and clinic construction, the general objective of complete government guaranteed health care for all. That's exactly what Clinton has introduced to the American people. He announced a universal health care and mandatory insurance program. And so they're putting everything in place exactly as Iron Mountain told them to do. It's universal, and you cannot exempt yourself from it, and it is causing a lot of trouble uh, around the nation. But the arguments are not going to be on that basis. What is going to happen is we're going to be issued eventually a global identification card, and that is the purpose of this whole thing. The medical card has only one purpose. That's to get the foot in the door for the MARC system. Iron Mountain's third recommendation is being implemented. Iron Mountain economic substitute number four, a new educational system to bring in globalism under the United Nations, UNESCO, Congressional Record, the Great Conspiracy to Destroy the United States, Education for Freedom and World Understanding. You see, all of this is designed to bring us into a world system, a global system, under the control of the United Nations. The Second Manifesto of the U.S. Office of Education, the implementation of the Program of Surrender through education. In other words, they destroy Americans' uh, national pride and put us under the United Nations. And the NEA uh, is leading in this. They even say it themselves. 
teaching about globalism and the world system. They say enduring peace cannot be attained until the nation states surrender to a world organization. This was found out during the Reese Committee hearings in Congress. Uh, putting the evidence together, we conclude the NEA has been an important element in the tax-exempt world to indoctrinate American youth with internationalism, which is synonymous with uh, a lot of uh, communist, uh, illuminist, whatever you want to call it. The Iron Mountain agenda is being carried out. Outcome-based education, the developing of leaders for restructuring the schools, change agents. Parents are beginning to get upset, but they are not putting it together. American 2000, a national strategy, strategy to change every nation, every family. Uh, everything is going down exactly as Iron Mountain said it should. Uh, global education is nothing more than a promotion of the United Nations and to destroy the Constitution of the United States to bring us out from the Constitution and to merge us into the UN. That's what they're going to do. To improve learning and teaching by providing a national framework for educational reform. To promote research, consensus building, and systematic changes needed to ensure, you see, everything has to be changed. Guess where the changes all lead to? And guess who is behind it? If you look, Robert Mueller, former UN Secretary General to the UN, member of the Planetary Citizens, wrote the Global Core Curriculum, Marilyn Ferguson, the Aquarian Conspiracy, New Age. This is all being integrated into the educational system of America. And it's called America 2000. And it is extremely subversive. The national and international power play for education. It's going to go through because God has decreed it will go through. And UNESCO is behind it. Gorbachev, we parted with the old world, rejecting it once and for all. We are moving towards a new world, the world of communism. We shall never depart from it. Books are on the market explaining all of this. We don't have time in this video to get into it. But Iron Mountain Recommendation 4 is being implemented. Iron Mountain Sociological Substitute for War, Slavery. Another possible surrogate for the control of potential enemies of society is the reintroduction in some form consistent with modern technology and political processes of slavery. For the control of potential enemies of a society, anyone that does not agree with the new world order is an enemy of society and is therefore subject to slavery. Detention centers and concentration camps, work camps, are associated with forced labor, which is in reality slavery. Seizure under the executive orders of all civilians and work brigades, that's forced labor, that's slavery, which includes the rights to split up families. There are uh, concentration camps, detention centers, all over the United States set up under FEMA, under Rex 84, and there are presently, to the last count we had, 130 such facilities in the United States of America. In Arizona, you'll see, uh, for example, some there. Uh, we've got one here in Wisconsin. Concentration camps 
for U.S. citizens, uh, the MJTF police, to conduct house-and-house -house search and seizure and separation and categorization of men, women, and children and babies, categorization and transfer to detention facilities and the running of detention facilities. Iron Mountain Slavery recommendation number two is, is mandatory service, a form of universal service turned to some variant form of the Peace Corps or the Job Corps. It is entirely possible that the development of a sophisticated form of slavery may be an absolute prerequisite for social control in a world of peace. Now this is just incredible when you really stop and look at what they're actually saying in relationship to biblical prophecies. Remember Jesus said they're going to round you up and kill you. President Clinton has authorized boot camps for young offenders. Is this the beginning of a larger scale for social reorientation like the communists do? Uh, America 2000, the national plan that's going into our schools requires mandatory community service. There are calls going out all the time. Bush and Clinton have called for mandatory community service for all youth up to say two years, mandatory service. You can serve in the service or some uh, other place, but you are going to serve. So the substitute for war is being implemented. Mountain sociological substitute for war number two is called blood games. Game theorists have suggested in other contexts the development of blood games for the effective control of individual aggressive impulses. More realistically, such a ritual might be socialized in the manner of the Spanish Inquisition and the less formal witch trials of other periods for the purposes of social purification, state security, or other rationale both acceptable and credible to post-war societies. Inquisitions, witch trials for the purpose of social purification, state security, which is the key one, such a ritual might be socialized. In other words, they make it into a big social event, like the Inquisitions were. We saw part of that beginning to unravel when we watched the Branch Davidian invasion and subsequent massacre of David Koresh and his group. A lot went down at Waco that very few Christians understand. David Koresh, the Branch Davidians, were demonized by the national media, first of all. They were tried, judged, and executed in a social ritual in total violation of every right guaranteed under state and federal constitutions. The Waco massacre followed all points of ritualized killing. They were a cult. It was for social purification, and therefore they deserved what they got. Their compound was raided by federal assault groups when, in fact, there was no evidence of any crime having been committed. Yesterday's action ended in a horrible human tragedy. Mr. Koresh's response to the demands for his surrender by federal agents was to destroy himself and murder the children who were his captives, as well as all the other people who were there who did not survive. He killed those he controlled. 
and he bears ultimate responsibility for the carnage that ensued. going to go to court. Uh, they called me the white supremacist and all that. It's victims of demonization that we, that we all are victims of. When the federal government decides it is going to prosecute somebody, they sort of demonize them. Do you want to um, do you want to give your uh, federal agents that um, leeway to just say when they kill American citizens that things just they just went wrong? We just have a mother here dead. We have a little boy dead, and it just things went wrong. trial, it was admitted by federal agents that they had been ordered to kill the Weavers regardless of any threat family members posed to government personnel. Now, I want you to think about how serious that is. What was the charge against Vicki Weaver? What crime against the state had she committed that warranted her execution by the federal government? Indeed, she was not charged with any crime whatsoever. Yet the U.S. government ordered her shot on sight, a virtual uh, killing. It was murder in the first degree. It is cold-blooded, ritualistic, social purification because the Weavers held a viewpoint not politically correct. The Weaver case, along with the Branch Davidians, proves we are in the middle of the final battle for the Constitution of the United States. There are many, many enemies within America that want to get rid of our Constitution and destroy our rights. The war has now shifted from a paper and legal war to an overt shooting war, and we feel it's going to get far worse. Uh, they came against this thing to see what their reaction of the American people would be, and they found out that the American people cheered them on. So we are ready for a complete takeover. A spotlight put out a small publication on FEMA in case of emergency. Uh, executive orders, Blueprint for Dictatorship, also is one of their publications. Now, an executive order is issued by the President of the United States. It does not go through the Senate or the Congress. He merely issues it. It's put in a federal register, and within 30 days it has full effect of law, and nobody passes upon it. Now, that's fine, and he has some rights to do that, but not contrary to the Constitution of the United States. FEMA uh, developed national security emergency plans for the regulation of immigration, nationals of enemy countries, plans to implement laws for the control of persons entering or leaving the United States, uh, develop intergovernmental and 
interagency law enforcement plans and counterterrorism programs to interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States that may result in a national security emergency. To interdict and respond to terrorism incidents in the United States. Now, this is a key that they're beginning to use. Under the new Crime Control Acts, particularly under the Crime Control Bill Number 8, which is now before the Congress, a protester can be charged with terrorism. And this paves the way for the government to declare all those who oppose the New World Order as terrorists and therefore imprison them because you will be a political dissenter. To develop law enforcement plans to respond to civil disturbances. These people know perfectly well there's going to be major disturbance when this thing finally comes in. So they, they want all bases covered by law. So that's their rationale. It's, it'll, they will legally be able to do this. You don't think it's going to happen. This is exactly uh, the pre executive order issued by George Bush to quell the Los Angeles riots. L.A. went under martial law. Very few people understand what that means, but it means, in essence, that this Constitution in Los Angeles was totally suspended. And it says in there that units and members of the armed forces of the United States and federal law enforcement officers will be used to suppress the violence. In other words, it's they're federalizing everything, and that's what happens under martial law, and to restore law and orders. They can also call up members of the National Guard. That's a key point. They're militarizing the nation. They're putting it under military law. If Americans do not want the new world order and they resist, America will go under immediate martial law rather than through the staged program into a martial law system, which is what the UN is. Also included to coordinate all federal agencies assisting in the suppression of violence and the administration of justice. Martial law suspends the Constitution of the United States. The UN is to be brought up to full power and it will rule through martial law via a three-tier military martial law system. The first one we're going to actually look at is called FinCEN. And uh, FinCEN, from the data we can get, it's not only a financial uh, controlling sector, but it has to do with uh, other things. Their equipment is black. And there are reports of a multitude of black helicopters all over the United States. We get calls on it virtually every day from someone who's just had them flying over the house. The FAA says that the black paint schemes are used on helicopters by the Drug Enforcement Agency and the U.S. Army Special Operations. Here is a map of FinCEN locations in the United States, and these are confirmed, they claim. Uh, we have not been able to verify it. We're bringing this to you strictly unverified for troop deployment locations in the United States of America. Uh, there's been a, a fairly consistent reporting in Montana of UN combat 
uh, groups. Uh, they are in reality the top tier in the UN system and entrance to the U.S. was by presidential executive order uh, 111190 signed by President Bush and uh, there are many uh, battle group locations and there are many multi-jurisdictional task force police which are the third tier or the lowest on the UN police force and it is in reality from what we can gather is the federalization of the police forces in America and putting them in reality under the United Nations command uh, which we go under and that would be for the detention centers uh, concentration camps for dissenters are part of this overall system for the roundup of people now one of the largest ones is in Alaska the Alaskan camp is the biggest being over one million acres and it's located just outside of Fairbanks according to reports and is serviced by a spur line called the Alaskan Railroad that's very interesting because under the emergency orders under FEMA one of the railroads that gets activated and falls under their control is the Alaskan Railway and so we are beginning to find out that all of this uh, goes together. The Alaskan camp was purchased under a mental health bill and of course you have to understand that they are using mental health as one of their primary uh, methods of warfare. The Iron Mountain recommendations for an inquisition for social purification are also confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is predominantly a move against Christians and Jesus Christ. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. See, that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're changing all the laws. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And in Revelation 17, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And this is actually, you're going to find out, has much to do with the United Nations. Iron Mountain substitute for war blood games has been in effect implemented and is being carried out. Ecological, considering the shortcomings of war as a mechanism of selective population control, it might appear that a devising substitutes for this function should be comparatively simple. In other words, war kills off some people, and so now we have to have an ecological substitute for that function, and it really boils down to total population control. Current trends in warfare, the increased strategic bombing of civilians and a greater military importance now attached to the destruction of sources of supply as opposed to purely military bases strongly suggests that a truly qualitative improvement is in the making. In other words, as we phase down the war system, there's probably going to be one great last one in their plans to really reduce the world population. There is no question but that a universal requirement that procreation be limited to the products of artificial insemination would provide a fully adequate substitute control 
for the population a universal requirement that procreation be limited to products. See how they treat people. Conception and embryonic growth taking place wholly under laboratory conditions would extend these controls to their logical conclusion. Now, total and complete control, this is what this means, of every human being born, they will be pre-selected genetically to be a slave to the rich men of the earth. This is the system they're setting up. They have an intermediate step, total control of conception with a variant of the pill via water supplies or certain essential foodstuffs. In other words, they intend to, when they bring in this new system, they will stop the growth of the population. They will put it into the food or the water supplies, and then they would offset it by a controlled um, substance so that it could be countermanded and the woman become pregnant. And they claim in Iron Mountain that it was already under uh, investigation and under work back in 1961. So the interpretation is the mandatory mass sterilization of the human race with them in total control of all the antidotes for it. Excess population, Iron Mountain says, is war material. As long as any society must contemplate even a remote possibility of war, it must maintain a maximum supportable population. resort protected by armed guards. That was the private meeting place for Georgia legislators and corporate lobbyists. Now who paid for it all? That's the big question. Chief Investigator Brendan Keith holds the powerful accountable tonight. Brendan? The 11 Alive investigators discovered an organization that gets money from lobbyists, gives it to legislators, and it's all considered charity. We found the fabled back rooms where laws are really made. show you what's behind this closed door, a place where legislators and corporate lobbyists have an equal vote, a place they don't want you to see. Um, you need to be credentialed at register. We are credentialed. We are Georgia. We're Georgia Media. Are there legislators in there? Are there legislators in there? We are Georgia Credential Media. Over here? Please step over here. What? We're, there's Georgia legislators here. Are laws being made in there? This isn't the state capitol. It's a resort hotel in Savannah where lawmakers are wined and dined as members of the American Legislative Exchange Council, or ALEC. What is ALEC? It's a, really a corporate bill mill. I mean, they're cranking out legislation put in the hands of legislators to go back and file it. Georgia Senator Nan Oreck would know she was once an ALEC member. What happens in these back rooms? There are votes taken that have the corporate folks at the same table voting with the legislators on what bills to pick. And that, that at its core just screams out inappropriate. You're telling me that in these rooms a corporation has an equal vote with a legislator on a piece of legislation. They absolutely vote, and the truth be told, they write the bill. 
ALEC bills come complete with blanks where legislators need only fill in their state name. Like the Asbestos Claims Priorities Act, this Georgia law that now prevents many asbestos victims from suing corporations matches the ALEC bill clause after clause, often word for word. The final vote was taken here at the Georgia Capitol, but the bill was first approved here inside a Las Vegas casino at a closed-door ALEC meeting. Records show the three Georgia senators who sponsored the bill received more than $22,000 in ALEC scholarships to attend resort meetings the year before, during, and after the asbestos law was passed. This is money from corporations to legislators, but it's being filtered through ALEC, and they get a tax write-off? Well, ALEC is a 501c3 organization, charitable educational purposes. That's right. ALEC is an educational charity. The signature of Georgia's Speaker of the House, David Ralston, appears on this 2013 ALEC fundraising letter. He writes, your support of the scholarship fund is critical, enabling Georgia legislators to attend the annual meetings. Donations are 100% tax deductible and fund education efforts for legislators. Who's doing the educating? Inside that closed-door committee room in Savannah we couldn't show you, we saw the lobbyist for the cell phone industry seated across from Georgia State Rep Ben Harbin right before we were pulled out. Here we're credentialed to observe legislators here in Georgia, wherever they meet, to discuss laws. He's calling for backup. Alex Staffers had four off-duty sheriff's deputies standing by while we talked with the group's director of communications. Can we do an interview with you? Actually, no. Uh, Why not? Um, if you please turn the camera on. No, we can't turn the camera off. We, you know, that's one thing we don't do. Okay. Well, then I'd like to have you escorted to the building, please. Okay. We, I'm a guest of this hotel. I'm actually staying here. You are staying at this yeah. hotel. So here's the question is, if Georgia legislators are meeting here, we're credentialed right here to see Georgia legislators making laws. Are they discussing things that could become law here? Georgia legislators are here participating in discussions where they're learning from legislators from others. So why can't the people who elected them see the process? This is a private meeting. A private meeting paid for by whom? By our members and donors. Our lobbyists, correct? No. Are you here for this conference, too? We met two lobbyists and a state representative from New England in the hotel bar the night before and recorded our conversation. Do you have to pay your own way? For well, on a trip like this. On a trip like this, I'm the state. And I look for financial support. Right. Lobbyists are people like, you know, to send us like a couple thousand bucks every so often. That gives me money to help those folks with. Now, on the other hand... And we pay more to be here. You do. You do. I see. So the lobbyist uh, fees to come to the event actually help subsidize the legislator coming here. Are lobbyists, correct? No. They're not lobbyists? The ones that we recorded in the bar last night aren't lobbyists who are here members? He signals to the sheriff's deputies. All right. We're, I'm a guest of the hotel, not, not sir. Not full on. Not full on. I'm, I'm here about paying guests of this hotel, sir. We'll take care of that. Let's go to your room and get your phone. Did we violate some law or something? I mean, are we violating a law here? Don't say nothing. One of the Georgia senators who sponsored that asbestos bill, Renee Unterman, told the 11 Alive investigators she later dropped out of ALEC, calling it a group of angry white men controlled by industry, not legislators. 
Major corporations like Atlanta-based Coca-Cola have also dropped out of Alex. Wow, eye-opening to say the least. Do lawmakers have to report payments for travel to these kinds of resort meetings? You would think, Brenda, but in Georgia, the answer is no. We filed half a dozen open records requests with Georgia legislators, including the Speaker of the House, asking for receipts and reimbursements to Alec events. Well, today we received this letter from their lawyer. Your request is denied. Quote, the General Assembly is not subject to the Georgia Open Records Law. Huh. In other words, lawmakers specifically exempted themselves from a law they passed to make Georgia government more transparent. More eye-opening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wow. This is just baffling. We'll stay on. Yeah, and, and we wouldn't know it had it not been for this no. report. No. All right, Brendan, thank, thank you. you. Mind-blowing. Thank you. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got, I'm here with my co-host. Sometimes those deep breaths just kind of get to you, you know, and I'm not Hillary. I don't have the same problem as Hillary does. Anyway, I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Adler, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Wednesday, February 17th, 2016. And once again, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. Wendy Wilson will be joining us here in just a few short minutes. First, we're going to go to the markets and find out exactly what gold and silver has done today. And it's good to see gold uh, continue to stay above that $1,200 level. After the pullbacks that we have, we have gold up in the New York spot moment. 7.90 at 12.09. Uh, 
is up stronger earlier in the day, 1214 as a high. Silver up 0 0.04, Platinum was up 13 at 948. Palladium was up 5 at 516. USDX today. A little bit weaker, 0 0.03 at 96.83. Crude oil back up over 30, 1.58 to the upside at 30.62. And the paper markets today, they were like a rocket this morning. They shot up. They just stayed there all day, barely traded the whole day. I mean, it was up 200 points, and that's where we're ending the day, 257 points. Uh, 16,453. The NASDAQ was up 100 points at 45.34. The S&P up 31 at 19.26. 10-year climbing just a little bit, 0 0.04 at 182. Uh, the euro, naturally there's a little pressure, 111. European markets, uh, both were up big. Germany was up almost 3%, London almost 3%. And the Asian markets were pretty much unchanged. And let me get to my, I think China was also up uh, on the, uh, let me see what we got here. Let's see my Asian Pacific charts. Uh, Shanghai, yeah, it was up a little over 1%, up 30 points at 28.67. There's a lot to talk about today, but First, there's a lot to talk about with Wendy Wilson from Apothecary Herbs. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Melody, and hello, Al. Hello, Wendy. How's everybody doing? Just Can't great. complain, except for the mosquito oh. bites. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the Zika virus if you, if you want to get there. <laughs> and does it have anything to do with mosquitoes? We shall find out. Um, you know, the World News reports have this being massively covered, this outbreak showing children with birth defects, abnormally small heads called congenital encephalitis type of condition, and the World Health Organization has thrown it out there with speculation that maybe genetically modified mosquitoes carrying yellow or dengue fever are to blame, uh, but that's not entirely accurate. So uh, what is Zika and where did it come from? What can we expect? from this infection. Well, science has categorized Zika as a flavivirus. It has similar characteristics to yellow fever, dengue fever, West Nile virus, and Japanese encephalitis virus. In 2008, there was this virologist, Dr. Robert Lansiotti, uh, who noted that the Zengai had an encephalitic, menoencephalitic type of characteristic. In other words, it was it produced inflammation of the brain and spinal cord, which made it of an epidemic potential. Uh, it can be characterized by symptoms of rash, acute inflammation of the eyes called conjunctivitis, joint pain, fever, encephalitis type conditions, and the virus can produce even acute symptoms and it's often mistaken for yellow or dengue fever. But it appears, it appears that Zika really is a primate virus and possibly a rodent virus because they have seen some Zika antibodies in rodents. But get this, history is void of an originating human host of record for this virus. 
So if a patient experiences progressive muscle weakness, it could indicate that the nervous system is under attack uh, by the Zika virus because it can offer a neurological complication similar to Guillain-Barre syndrome. So let's get down to nitty-gritty. Where did this stuff come from? Well, uh, in 1964, a scientist by the name of Simpson, he documented his encounter with the Zika virus. He said his symptoms started with mild headaches. Next, he developed this blotchy, pimply, sandpaper-feeling rash similar to scarlet fever. He reported the rash covered his face, his neck, his abdomen, his upper arms, and spread to the palms of his hands and the soles of his feet. He did have a fever. He felt very sick. Uh, had some back pain, but by the third day, the fever left, and he started, and the rash started to fade, and he started to feel a bit better. He felt nearly back to normal within five days of the onset of his symptoms. So it was later noted that some patients experience more acute fever with headache, but no rash or joint pain. Others reported symptoms of lack of appetite, vomiting, diarrhea, more of a flu-like kind of condition, along with some dizziness. Now, some experience the inflammation of the eyes, and the human immune system, this is key, the human immune system is able to develop and make an antibody within five days of the onset of symptoms for the Zika virus. Now, for this reason, for this reason, medicine called Zika virus a, quote, relatively innocuous which means not very harmful pathogen and certainly not in the category of plague pandemic. So what happened to the Zika virus that it causes global concern? Uh, you have to keep in mind that Zika is often confused with dengue fever, and about 25% of those that are getting Zika virus are going to develop symptoms, just 25%. So here's the history of this virus, Al, Melanie. Zika, not a new virus, but it's not a new virus for the animal kingdom. Uh, it, it, it wasn't ever logged into history as being a human virus. Zika is yet another animal virus that's gotten some help from science to now infect humans. So according to 2009, there was this report by the U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health, and it listed Zika virus reported that back in April of 1947, it was found in the Zika forest of Uganda. Scientists happened to be there. Um, they were doing exploratory research on yellow fever, and they were working there for the Rockefeller Foundation. They were trapping monkeys, rhesus monkeys, and they happened to notice two of them had a new type of virus and had a fever, so they took them back to the lab in, in Entebbe, Rockefeller had a lab there in Entebbe, they transported the sick monkeys there, where they made a Zika serum that was created. They took that Zika serum and they injected it into mice. In 10 days, the mice showed signs of neurological problems. So the serum that was injected into the mice, then they took and they took their brain material and from there created a transmissible Zika agent. And by 1948, Africa, African mosquitoes, they say, were carrying the Zika virus. So the early zoologic research showed that the man-made virus could infect humans. And it was fully reported on this in 1956, explaining that the birth 
of a new human pestilence known as, quote, Zika virus, which was artificially taken from monkeys, fed to mice, and then to mosquitoes. So by 1968, scientists conducted these testing. They found now the Zika virus in 40% of humans in Nigeria. The Nigerians seem to have a natural antibody to the virus. Zika was also spreading by 1981 to show up in human populations in Uganda, Tanzania, Egypt, Central African Republic, Sierra Leone, Gabon, and parts of Asia in India, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, Vietnam, and Indonesia. So all this stuff, you know, this was on purpose, okay? You can just look back at all the documentation here. And I know a lot of people are saying it's, it's the mosquitoes, but now it's transmissible from human to human, so the mosquitoes may have jump-started it. But it's showing up in parts of Africa that don't have mosquitoes, okay? And uh, actually, uh, let's see, doctors J.W. Dick in the 1950s and his uh, cohorts, J.P. Boren and J.S. Portfield, they did a little test to see if the mosquitoes were actually transporting the Zika virus, and they weren't able to confirm that. And their research wound up in PubMed. So um, they are working on a Zika vaccine. Actually, scientists uh, have developed two of them. They'll be ready in nine months. So I think this is too much coincidence happening that it was just, you know, something that evolved naturally. And now they already have a uh, vaccine that could be used in four to nine months. What do you think? You know, the, the global spread that you're talking about. Right. This allegedly started up in Africa. Right. And it's covered half the tropics of the world. Uh-huh. I'm wondering, do mosquitoes move? Are they Do they migrate that rapidly from country to country? I can understand well, that you know, within a certain you know, vicinity, you can have mosquitoes that are picking up, that are transmitting a particular disease. But we've got mosquitoes that started up in Uganda and are right. off in Indonesia. Yeah, do and they India. migrate that far? Yeah, that's the problem. Is that, that a I, natural thing? No. <laughs> I don't think so either. No, they they don't migrate like birds. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, Zika virus is really not the only virus that doesn't agree with pregnancy. Uh, we have the chickenpox virus is also known to cause birth defects uh, and even fetal death. We have the German measles is another disease that can harm the unborn. Uh, there's also an un, a unknown area regarding influenza pathogens that can affect the unborn baby. Diseases like mononucleosis, mumps, roseola, regular measles, and rhinoviruses are, uh, have a 2 to 3% estimated risk to harm an unborn baby. And Dr. Barbara Houck, I had her years ago on my show. She was the head of the Houck Institute out in Missouri. And she and her team did some research on just the common flu viruses and how that affected pregnant women and uh, babies. And her research seemed to indicate that flu pathogens increase the risk of a child developing, developing later on in life a mental illness like schizophrenia. So Zika is really getting a lot of attention due to the risk of pregnant women who contract the virus having babies born with congenial microencephalopathy and, um, you know, the undeveloped brain. And I just think this Zika virus has been tweaked. I think my opinion is they added 
the Japanese encephalitis virus to it. I just think it's not just Zika that's the problem. I agree with you. You know, if all they were doing, they had changed a virus that was pretty much localized to Uganda, whatever, and in animals, mm-hmm. and they changed it where it would go to people, and all the, and, and we go all we get is a five five day fever out of it, basically, mm-hmm. and a few other odds and ends. Right. But it's five days, comes and gone. It doesn't right. sound like a particularly dangerous virus. Well, no, they, they, it sounds they like they added happen. something to it that would intentionally right. or otherwise affect the unborn. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I, I think it might be a, an attempt at population control. I think maybe they thought it would be more deadly. Um, you know, anybody's guess there. Right now, according to reports, we have Zika showing up in Texas, New York, New Jersey, and Hawaii. So um, they're saying now it can be transmitted sexually, uh, possibly. Uh, it, it's it's just an interesting thing. Um, one way I think really to guard ourselves uh, is really you know power up that immune system and you know just be as proactive as you can out there. And um, a lot of people are saying you know wear repellent and you might want to you know stay away from those areas that are prevalent to mosquitoes. Make sure you don't have any standing water around your place. Um, uh, citronella candles, citronella candles, citronella candles, <laughs> I guess, if you're worried about the mosquito transmission. But apparently it's now being transmitted human to human some other way. Well, we don't have a... What do you think? Do you have any information on the vaccine? Um, you just you just know that nine months they would have one. You don't have any further information on the vaccine well, right now. Other than yeah. when it might be released. Yeah, it's an Indian company, and they have two versions of the vaccine. Um, they said that it's been in development nine months, and they're right now in animal trials. So they they hope to be they hope to have it you know ready for um, the human market you know in, in about four months. So uh, the company is Bharat Biotech International, uh, out of Hyderabad, India. Uh, so uh, they've been working on this for nine months, the formulation. So they say, look for the Zika vaccine in four months, which I think is too coincidental, really. I don't know. The whole thing, you get into this sort of thing, and it's there's no end to the conspiracy theories, and they're not without some sort of foundation where they might be true. But if there's any real evidence that people have created this and said, I know. Why don't we take this? It only affects animals, and we'll, we'll amp it up where it can get people, too. The people responsible for that should be tried, and if of, of, for something like crimes against humanity, and if right. found guilty, hanged. Right? Well, yeah, not a handful of them, not a little risk step on five or six. If you had to take out everybody who worked in the plant, mm-hmm. this is intolerable. Well, yeah, you know, uh, actually. Actually, there's been a couple of virologists that have said, you know, um, the geomes and DNA for humans is, is well known now and mapped, not that complicated to turn on a receptor or turn on, off a receptor so that these animal diseases can jump the gap. So they already know how to do that with ease. So what have you got to help folks? Well, I, I got 
immune boosting, uh, we have uh, pandemic kits, obviously, going to power up your own natural defenses, your immune system, uh, as much as possible. Uh, blood cleanses are another thing. If you think you've been exposed, you want to sweep the blood as much as you can. That's personally what I would be doing. Um, I think the pandemic kit is a good one. Uh, it covers a broad spectrum of viruses and pathogens. So I would be powering up my natural defenses against it. And I would personally skip the vaccine because you never know what else is in there. Yeah, I understand. I mean, like I, you wonder which is worse, the disease or the cure? The way they're operating, it's hard to say, oh, here, here's a vaccine for you. <laughs> I'll take my chances with a little mosquito and get a little taste of this rather than a vaccine where I can get you know, a couple of Well, I think, I think the big fear is, you know, pregnant women, women who are wanting families or are expecting, that's the biggest fear they're fanning right now. So they'll be lining up pregnant women for vaccines. And, you know, just 15, 20 years ago, it was unheard of to vaccinate a pregnant woman. So... Why don't you give us some contact information, Wendy? Sure. They can uh, give us a call and we'll send them a free product catalog. The number is toll-free at 866-229-3663, 866-229-3663. And they can visit us online, thepowerherbs.com. Enjoy it. Right. See you next week. Thank you, Wendy. Much appreciated. Um, that's Wendy Wilson from thepowerherbs.com, 866-229-3663. 3663. Melody and I will be back on Financial Survival. Just a moment. Please stay tuned. Immune system. 
And in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663 or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663 or thepowerherbs.com. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. I'm Alfred Adas, here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188, for all your gold and silver coin needs. Here's an article from uh, Business Insider. Morgan Stanley has declared that they're slashing their oil price forecast by 50%. Oil is one of the most traded commodities at the moment, and everyone has a view but the prevailing opinion now is that oil prices won't be returning to triple digits a barrel anytime soon, meaning it's not going to, we're not going to see $100 oil anytime soon. On Monday, Ian Taylor, CEO of Vittel Group, said the price of oil would stay below $60 for as long as 10 years. Now, I don't know what the price of oil is going to do, but I don't believe anybody can make a prediction that's worth paying attention to for 10 years into the future. Uh, he might be right. I'm not saying they're wrong about that. But this is just guessing. 10 years? Most people, we can't tell what's going to happen next week for an absolute fact, and we're making predictions as to what's going to happen for 10 years. Morgan Stanley has weighed in, slashing its 2016 forecast from above 50 bucks a barrel to less than 30 it's all about demand with the OPEC oil producing cartel refusing to cut production. It will take a lot of demand for the commodity to mop up the glut and return prices to normal. Uh, Morgan Stanley analysts don't see any evidence of that happening soon. We're pushing out our view of a recovery in oil uh, by 6 to 12 months and cutting our oil forecast from fifties, $50 uh, to a high of you would uh, high $20 over the next year. So they're essentially saying uh, it, it's what we're getting out of these reports is simply that the price of oil is going to stay down for some considerable period of time. Uh, if we can believe these people at least another year and maybe several years, price of oil is going to stay relatively low. Price of gasoline will stay, stay relatively low. 
It means, Melody, that now you can buy the SUV, the gas guzzler you always wanted. Mm. Hmm. I will run right out. Happy days. What else, Melody? Well, you know, it's you're right. I don't think anyone can predict what's going to happen 10 years from now, not in today's <laughs> world. Um, and I, I do think oil will stay below 60. I would predict in, you, you could see anything in oil. And I think bringing Iran on into the equation, plus the U.S. shipping oil over to to Europe, um, I mean, who knows how it's all going to play up, you know, play out. Strike a war in the Middle East and uh, uh, with Syria and uh, the Saudis and everything else going on. It, it, it's just, uh, you know, it's like a moment by moment, and that's why gold and silver is so important. Because, you you know, it's going to benefit from all of these moment-to-moment uh, situations that occur. And they are going to occur. They're not going to go away. That is how unstable the world is. And anytime you have the, un- the world as unstable as it is, this is why you want gold and silver, particularly gold in your portfolio, to bring you stability in your own holdings, in your own portfolio. You convert those uh, dollars into uh, something that uh, provides you that stability. And Speaking it's a of no-brainer. And in fact, I wanted to bring in my special today, Al. And I have one quarter ounce American Gold Eagles. American Gold Eagles, one quarter ounce for $135 each. You can buy one or a hundred of them. Uh, they're readily available. Quarter and ounce Gold Eagles? Quarter ounce American Gold Eagles for one thirty-five each. For one hundred and thirty-five dollars. That translates into a ounce price of like six hundred bucks. Well, you know, you know what? I gave you that's the uh, one tenth ounce. I'm sorry. Thank mm-hmm. you, Al. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Al. Let me the quarter ounce. Let me put it this way: the one tenth ounce, or or one hundred and thirty-five, and the quarter ounce would be. for a quarter ounce American Gold Eagle. For the one-tenth ounce, they're $135. And the 90% silver, we have a $50 face value bag at $660, and that includes your shipping costs. So we have a little bit of various products. You can uh, add one, add two, add three, and you can buy either one or 100 of each. So product is widely available. And again, I'm hearing reports from various folks saying uh, product is difficult to get. Um, not yet, but it can be in the very near future. So give us a call, 800-375-4188. And of course, visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Speaking about instability, here's a few of the headlines for last weekend. One, Turkish airstrikes in Syria, with Saudi Arabia preparing to invade. Things are really stacking up there in the Middle East. There is going to be a serious problem. Two, 10,000 Greeks were rioting in Athens after government proposed to triple Social Security taxes and double income taxes to meet the Troika's austerity demands so insolvent Greek banks can receive enough freshly printed bailout money to print the interest owed to its European federal lords. Um, What they're just saying here is the Greeks are rioting. The government is 
seeking to double or triple their taxes, to triple some of their taxes, double others, you know that's not going to go over, especially after they've been subjected to austerity for, I suppose, five years now. Uh, and the whole idea is to try to round up enough money where Greek banks can pay the interest on the debt owed to the European creditors. Now, this is another one of those strange things where how much difference does it really make? You know, I'm sure the creditors would like to get their money back, but the truth is Greece doesn't have it, and Greece isn't going to pay it. All right? And by paying the interest, however, they can maintain the pretense that the loans are still valuable. And the creditors can continue to carry these loans on their books and say, look, this is still a performing loan. Greece is paying the interest on it, so it's still good. And if they've got 100, I don't know, $100 million in Greek bonds, as long as Greece continues to pay the interest, the creditors can hold those $100 million in Greek bonds and say, see, see, it's still valuable. When the truth is, Greece is never going to pay off those bonds. Uh, but it's for the sake of the illusion that Greece is being pressured to try to maintain the fiction that they can pay their bills. They won't. But, uh, you know, the Greek problem will continue and continue and continue until finally Greece declares bankruptcy. If they ever do it, then they can walk out from under this much like Iceland has done. If they don't do it, they're going to be in austerity and some sort of a debt bondage for who knows how long this is going to last. It may be that crude oil, the price of crude oil, returns to triple digits before the Greeks get out of their debt problem. Here's a third item from the last weekend. Japan was reporting that it had officially gone back into recession with a worse-than-expected fourth-quarter GDP contraction of four-tenths of a percent, and there was a good chance that that four-tenths of a percent contraction it might actually be understated due to accounting fudging. Right? Same thing we have in this country. They make up the numbers to create the belief they want people to believe or try to create it, even if it doesn't reflect reality. Number four, China is reporting much worse than expected January exports. They're down 7% versus expectations of a 4% increase. And, and imports are down 14% versus expectations of a 2% increase. China just goes from bad news to bad news. And we'll watch to see how long this can continue. China may turn things around, and who knows when. It could happen any time, but it might not happen for a long time. All of this is just more evidence that the world is almost astonishingly unsta unstable, right? And we'll get more, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about the, the war that may be breaking out in the Middle East in the very near future. And when I mean very near future, I'm talking about before the end of this month, right? In the next two weeks, we could see a significant and dangerous war break out in the Middle East. There are reports that uh, 350,000 troops have amassed in northern Saudi Arabia and are preparing to invade Syria. They claim that these troops are there as part of an exercise 
military exercise, but I've seen at least one report uh, from someone who claims to have been in an, a working an, a, a NASA uh, National Security Agency agent at one point. Not that he's not that anymore, but he's got a background where he might know what he's talking about. He claims there has ne- <laughs> never before been a an exercise, a military exercise that involved 350,000 people. And this is the Saudis coming in to kick Syrian butt. The Saudis plus a host of others that are that are joining with the Saudis to come in and come in and kick uh, uh, Syrian butt, which the which the Russians have essentially sworn to defend. And one of the analysts talking about this said, "Look." There's no way that the Russians can deal with 350,000 soldiers, invaders, except with tactical nuclear weapons. They're going to have to go after that army. They can't stop it unless they go after it with tactical nukes. And then the question becomes, how long before the use of tactical nukes on the battlefield essentially precipitates the use of strategic nuclear devices launched by one nation against another nation's capitals, productive, uh, you know, industry, whatever. These are dangerous times. And we're going to see what happens here. But this is, I don't have the article right in front of me. We'll get it up here probably after this next break, and we can talk about what's happening or what apparently is happening um, in the Middle East on this road to war. Uh, but there are, they're bringing in hundreds of tanks. I don't know how many fighter planes. One thing, another like that. This is no game. This is no game. And it could easily precipitate an exchange of nuclear weapons. First on the battlefield and almost, and if it starts on the battlefield, and it's the only way the Russians can probably stop an army of 350,000. They're going to have to use nuclear devices. Once that happens, we're on the verge of Saudi Arabia trying to nuke Russia, for example. Now, I don't think Saudi Arabia has any missiles that can do it, although it might have some sort of cruise missiles, but I don't think it has any intercontinental ballistic missiles. I don't know, but I don't believe they do. But they have airplanes. They probably have cruise missiles. They're capable of striking Russia with, with nuclear devices. And Russia is certainly capable of striking Saudi Arabia with nuclear devices. And Saudi Arabia is sitting back, and they are counting on the United States to back them up against Russia. So the Russians, in theory, won't nuke Saudi Arabia. But you got to sit back if you are conspiracy theory-oriented. You can sit back and wonder, is the United States really on good terms with Saudi Arabia in the last year or two? And would the United States want the price of oil to go up? Because, you know, if something happened to Saudi Arabia and they were removed from the oil production equation, it would probably go a long way to solving the oil glut it would go a long way to increasing the price of oil across around the world. And you can spec-
speculate, and that's all it is is speculate, but you can speculate on whether or not the United States would betray the Soviet Union and say, all right, you Russians want to bomb them, go ahead, have at them. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I'm saying we are in peculiar and strange times when a lot of, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. We've got so many things happening in China, in Japan, just read through a list, Greece, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Syria. I guarantee no one can tell you what's really going to be here two weeks from now. The world is that unstable. It could be dramatically changed in ways none of us imagine, and it could happen within the next two weeks. I'm not saying it's going to. I don't know. But no one else does either. So, you know, we live in interesting times. We'll be back. going to take a couple of commercial announcements. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned to Financial Survival. relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866 866- Two two nine three six six three. International callers dial seven zero four eight seven five eight zero one zero. Or order online at the three w's dot thepowerherbs dot com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit discount gold and silver trading at dgscoins.com. That's dgscoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I've 
folks. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We've got a caller from West Virginia. It's Jim. What up, Jim? Oh, I've got two short comments. I can't help it sometimes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, early 70s, low oil prices. Oh, let's have a war in the Middle East. I know the oil uh, shortage was fabricated. We actually had a tanker, a barge that's full of oil from uh, Louisiana come up to Canal River to Charleston. A lot of people who are boaters listen to Channel 16 on their little HF phones, radios. And this guy said, well, I've got these loaded barges, and i got no place to unload them here at the, at the facility. <laughs> Turned around and went back south with them again. Okay. But, yeah, low oil prices in the early 70s. Let's have a war. Low oil prices, 2000, 2001. Oh, let's have another war in the Middle East. Low oil prices. Go figure. Okay, that's common. Well, I think they, that why do you think they want? What, what's the reason for it? For, for what? Well, for, for having a war to raise oil prices. I think that what it boils down to is they want their money so they can have more wars. Government has two basic jobs from uh, eternity almost. One is to take as much as possible from the governed. And two, to stay in control. And if they aren't getting enough money, they know they can lose control. So that's what it's all about. I think what it's about is the petrodollar. I think if the price of oil goes up, I wonder. I don't know. I haven't worked it out in my mind. But I think if the price of oil goes up, does that... It it creates inflation. But does it somehow strengthen the petrodollar? Well, I'm not think even it's worried possible, about or can that. you see that, or do you think that's not a that's not that's not a good uh, hypothesis? You're you're most likely right. I hadn't really thought of it, but now you look at different societies when they ran out of firewood because the society got too big, they collapsed. The Mayans, for instance, that said that's part of the reason for their collapse. But if you don't have enough fuel, if you don't have enough food, the society comes completely apart. Yep. That, that's the most general statement I can make. But insofar as its effect on the petrodollar, I don't see. I see the petrodollar as well. It's about a hundred years old. It's in a hospital bed. It has tubes in it and uh, a breathing mask over it, and it's um, it's dying. And it's sitting to say, "When I get up out of here, I'm going to beat up on all you whopper snappers." I see the dollar is dead, no matter what. Okay. I agree, but is it dead in 24 months or is it dead in 60 months? And that's maybe all we're fighting about right now. Well, I just look at good. it and I wonder if they go to war, diminish the supply of oil, price of oil is going to go up, and so I think perhaps will the demand for dollars may also go up in order to purchase that. I know the dollar is not the only currency that can be used anymore, but I'm wondering if perhaps the petrodollar is what's really behind trying to raise uh, the price of oil. And maybe that's just a nonsensical idea. Um, I'm not saying it's true, well, but it crosses my mind. I could have agreed with you 15 years ago, but now when oil is trading in the yuan, yen, gold, yeah. Yeah. rubles, eh, not so much. And not only that, I'm, but... We are more or less oil independent compared to where we were. Yeah, it'll be oil at a higher price. Yeah, we are. But the petro, but with the petrodollar is just waning in its influence. So yeah, I'd, I had to really think about the question. 
I'd agree with you 20 years ago, but yep. not now. And, and I don't know whether it'll happen in two months or five years. I mean, two years or five years, two weeks. I loved your statement. We don't know what's going to happen two weeks from now. I've never seen mm-hmm. anything this unstable. I understand. Well, well, my next statement is this. Okay, it is written that the lender has the borrower around by the neck, that the borrower is a slave to the lender. Well, yep. there's an inverse of that, and real economics is real simple. It's simpler than Shopper or Homac. But uh, <clears throat> the borrower has the lender around the neck. As you if said, one of enough. If he can borrow enough, yeah. Exactly. Well, yep. like as he said, one man's debt is another man's mm-hmm. asset. So yep. the guy with the assets loans it to the guy who doesn't have the assets. Well, they both have each other around the neck. It's like that picture of the frog and the uh, water bird, <laughs> the frog with its uh, yeah. hands around the yeah, neck, yeah. the water bird. They mm-hmm. both have each other by the neck, more or less, okay? Now, I do. I'll, every time you talk about Iceland, I get this warm, fuzzy feeling inside. Ooh, yes, I love it. Now, the way I see it is that the debt that can't be paid won't be paid, right? Yep. Uh, one man's asset is another man's uh, liability, vice versa. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, add those two up. Now, you have European. The Europeans have been loaned a bunch of counterfeit currency. Okay. And the whole counterfeit currency thing started in Babylon 2,600 years ago. But they are all have this loaned out, counterfeit currency loaned out to them. If all of them got together at the same time and said, hey, Wait a second. Well, there's no reason for us to pay you counterfeiters back and pay you interest on counterfeit bucks, counterfeit currency, pound sand. That would get rid of the European Central Bank. In the back of my mind, I keep thinking, you know, if we have a situation with Greece, obvious. Let's say Italy and Spain and Portugal and Ireland, if they all got together, it would take them about five minutes to come to this if they ever bothered. Hey. Let's get together and form a union and say, we're going to strike back at the management, the banksters. Guess what? It all falls down. That's one mm-hmm. hope which I have. Well, here's the, the one other. thing about, here's the problem. We had a jubilee back in the Old Testament. Every 50 years, they wiped out all the debt was canceled. And if I had loaned 100 ounces of gold to you, Jim, and we came up on the jubilee, you, whatever remainder of the debt was, if you still owed me 50 ounces of gold, it would be canceled. Right. All right. I would be out 50 right. ounces of gold, and it's not a bad thing because if I had the 100 ounces to lend in the first place, I might be on the verge of becoming an oligarch. This, this, this jubilee thing would be a good thing for preventing an oligarchy. But <laughs> the great thing about it is even though I didn't get the 50 ounces that you owed me, that would never be returned, the 50 ounces was still in circulation in our community. I would lose 50 ounces. I wouldn't be able to be an oligarch, all right? But the community would not be damaged by the loss of the assets. They're still there. 50 ounces, you might have them. You might have given them to your who knows who. But the the 50 ounces would still be in the economy. Well, so the economy yes, continues to function, but if we do this today, if we had a jubilee today where we cancel the debt, we cancel all of the correlative assets. 
All of a sudden, there's no, if I cancel the debt, the government comes out and says, look, we can't pay $19 trillion that we have officially announced as a national debt. And therefore, we're wiping it. We're going to just cancel that $19 trillion. They have also just knocked out $19 trillion in paper assets. Can the economy withstand that loss? This is because we have this debt-based monetary system where one man's debt is another man's asset. Well, here's something to think about. Okay, all these people who are so very, very paper wealthy. Now, I don't care whether you're paper wealthy in terms of 100K or 100 million or whatever. There will be a day of jubilee, so to speak, because they're going to lose the greatest percentage of their assets. Whereas if you have some little dark farmer out here who owns his farm equipment, who owns some land, who has some skills, uh, universal skills, you know, production of food, for instance, He's going. He's not going to lose very much of his value, but the people who have ripped off ever so many, and we're talking about people with endless credit from the Federal Reserve, you know, exactly. the ones who uh, yep. have free money, they're going to take it a beating. They're going to take a horrendous beating. So we will have of sorts a year of jubilee, brought on by the fact <laughs> that those with who have yeah. look at those sorry SOPs, they got beat up worse than we did. Yeah, so a certain and, uh, amount of maybe, satisfaction. I got the, I got the pool beat out of me, but look at those guys. I mean, <laughs> gives you something yeah. to laugh about while you're while you're fixing a cast on your broken arm or whatever. Um, well, but that's the danger in this. I think I think that fundamental idea goes a long way to explaining why Greece is prevented from filing a bankruptcy. Bankruptcy wipes out debt. Debt is the fundamental. It's, it's treated as an asset behind our currency. We can't wipe out debt. I think it's part of the reason why there are people who try to pay their mortgages ahead of time. The bank will impose a penalty on them. The average person says, that's crazy. They're putting a penalty. I'm paying, I'm paying my mortgage in advance. You'd think the banks would want that. No, they don't want the payment. They want the debt. The world is mad, and we don't know what's going on two weeks from now. Well, something else to think about. There's a whole cloud of title issue. Let me explain something, folks. The term mortgage comes from, from Latin. Mort, death. Gage, grip. Death grip. The banks don't want your money. They can yeah. print all that they want. They yeah. want your property, buddy. I don't even know that they want the property. The valuable thing in a mortgage is if you go in and go to the bank and say, okay, I want a mortgage for $200,000 for home. All right, you qualify, you get the mortgage, and now over the course of the next 30 years, you can pay off that mortgage probably double. You'll probably pay off $400,000 for the $200,000 home over the course of the next 30 years. The bank, on the other hand, will sell your debt instruments that you signed and become valuable by virtue of your signature, and they can apparently sell them to other financial institutions who can use them as collateral to make loans at a rate of 9 to 1 under price reserve banking, which means somebody can buy that piece of paper that I signed my name to, said I promised to pay $200,000. In theory, some bank can wind up owning that, and they can lend, what, nine times? A million eight hundred thousand dollars. If you can collect, if you can collect ten percent interest on the loan, small term loans on one million eight hundred thousand dollars, 
you basically have a 100% return on investment. You paid $200,000 for that for that note, maybe a little bit more, and you can probably pull in at least a 10% interest rate. You can't get that now, but you could for a while. You could you could be pulling in $180,000 a year. They're right. getting the equivalent of a new house every year. <laughs> and the guy who signed the piece of paper Right? Break, break. He's going to pay uh-huh. double for his house over the course of 30 years. He's getting nothing, and they're getting the equivalent of 30 free houses. Okay. That works as long as a dollar works. Okay. Yeah. As yeah. a dollar goes to, to you-know-where, the hot place, Yep. you're still what's left of value is the land. According to the Bible, the only I real agree. wealth. <laughs> land, cattle, gold, silver, which kind of ties this all up, folks. Get your gold and silver. I'll give you another one. Let me give you one more. There are two verses in the Bible, in the Old Testament, where the good Lord is speaking to the Hebrews one way or another, and he says, the gold and the silver are mine. Yep. Now, he's talking about, at least in one instance, he's talking about some of the vessels that are in the tabernacle and the rest of it, but he says, the gold and silver are mine, or at least according to the Bible, that was what's said. I wonder, and I would never be able to prove it, this is just crazy speculation, is the reason people are so attracted to gold and silver because they are somehow inherently godly? This is God. He doesn't care about the iron. You can have the iron. You can have have the magnesium, whatever. But the gold and the silver are mine, saith the Lord. It's a leap. It's a speculation. It's not necessarily true. I'm not telling anybody that. But it's strike you as uh, plausible? It, it seems to have an attraction above and beyond uh, a lot of other things. Like, I kind of noticed that uh, platinum's like, it used to always be above gold. Now it's like 200-some yeah. below gold. Yeah. But yeah, there seems to be an endless fascination with it. But the Five thousand years. Yeah, but the I mean, one we're thing We're not I'm talking most... about a fad. This is not like a hula hoop or something. You know, it did not just come and go. Five five thousand years. Is this a way when you grab hold of some gold? Are you grabbing hold of something that's God's property? Do we is that what is that what attracts us to it? Well, let me toss this in. Okay, you're going to have to toss it fast because we're running out of time, Jim. Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm a fast talker, just as bad as Alfred. But, <laughs> but all jokes aside, we're in a two thousand six hundred year battle between God's money and the devil's currency. And someday mm-hmm. I'll explain the Babylonian money system if you haven't done it already. I'll catch up with you later. God bless. Hi, Jim. Thank you. Uh, that's Jim from West Virginia. I'm Al from Texas, here with Melody from Pennsylvania, East Coast. Um, and we are on financial survival and out of time. I want to thank all of you for listening. We will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, with the good Lord, bless you, me, Melody, Frank, the producer, and Jim from West Virginia. Bye-bye. I work all night, I work all day, and pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it fast? Still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. In my dreams, I have a plan. If I got 
their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds put... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.